You are listening to the Magnetic Marketing Marketing Secret Gold Members Only Podcast. I want to wake up every morning to that. (laughs) This is amazing. Ah, I love you guys. It's so much fun. All right. Um, okay, you guys ready to get down to like now that we know our people, like how do we actually turn these people into stuff and change their lives? Yeah. yeah. All right. Cool. Let's jump in that. So let's throw up slides real quick. Um, all right. What I want to talk to you guys about now, I got to fast forward through this morning. Hold on. All right. Session number two. So um, what I want to talk about first is the three types of traffic. Because this is, um, when I first kind of got this piece of it, then things started making sense, right? I have all these customers, but like, how do I get them? Where do they go? And what's the purpose and the point? And um, prior to me understanding this, I was like doing all sorts of stuff. And I was like spinning my wheels going in all sorts of directions. But it's kind of like having a shock and I'm just like shooting shells up into the air, just hoping for the best, as opposed to like understanding what I'm doing and then being like, boom, and like targeting exactly what you're trying to do, right? So um, the key behind this is you got to understand there's three types of traffic, right? So the first type of traffic over here is traffic that you control. I'm going to draw a picture of a dollar here so you can see. This is what we control. This is, this is traffic that we go and we can actually pay for, right? So for example, um, Mark Zuckerberg, he doesn't control traffic. He actually owns traffic, right? He has a Facebook platform. He can put it wherever he wants to put it, right? If he was like, hey, I want everyone to vote for this president, he could do it, which is kind of scary, right? If you want to ever do something else, he could do it. Like, but he owns basically the majority of the, the world. It's kind of crazy, right? But what he does is he allows people like us to come into his platform and buy some of the traffic. We can control it. He owns it all. But I'm like, hey, I want to send everybody who's interested in Tony Robbins to my page over here, if that's okay. And he's like, sure. And you give him some money and he'll, he'll take all this traffic and he'll steer a little bit over towards you and you pay for it and you get it, right? So that's what you got to think about. The first type of traffic is traffic you control. You don't own it, but you can control it and you can, you can give somebody money and they will push that traffic into whatever it is you need it to go to, okay? Um, so that's number one. The second type of traffic is traffic that you earn, okay? The traffic you earn, for example, let's say I go on a, on a talk show or something like that, right? Or a podcast interview or a Facebook Live interview or something and there's somebody there who's, who's interviewing me, Right? That person owns the traffic, but I'm earning my way into it. I'm not paying for it, but I'm doing work to get in there and get in front of those people, okay? So number one is I'm controlling, I'm paying for that traffic, give some, or number two is I'm earning it, okay? Um, now, a lot of times people always ask me, well, Russell, which one's better? And the reality is they're both really, really good. A lot of it depends on where you are in your personal life right now. How many of you guys at this point in your life have more money than time? More money than time. How many of you guys have more time than money? How many of you guys have no idea what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay. It's about 50-50, but like half of you guys didn't say anything. So a lot of times, like, like for me in my life right now, I have way more money than time. So for me to go and do like a thousand podcast interviews is amazing. I love it, but like I just don't physically have the time. It's easier for me to go to the same thousand people, give them money, and have them write, buy ads and push to, to what I'm doing, right? So a lot of times there's, there's not one's better than the other. It's like where you are in your life, in your business, things like that. Um, the reality is you should be doing both. Okay. Um, I'm a big believer that like one is a very, very scary number and I want diversity in all things, especially my traffic sources. Um, and so you should be doing, should be doing both of them. The first one is traffic control. Second one is traffic you don't control. All right. Now, both of these are good, but the best and the most important one is where we should be pushing people from both these sources. We should be pushing people into traffic that we, that we own. Okay. So I'm going to draw a picture of a dude right here. 
He's holding a black box of his track. This is the best thing. Now, this is why, this is like where you guys want to get to. This is, this is the secret. This is your own black box. This is all of your traffic and your people. When you own it, you can go, hey, I want to send traffic to that thing I just launched. And you can just grab it and throw it at it. You don't have to ask anyone. You don't have to tell anyone to buy anything. You just take it and you just throw it there. You're like, oh, I want to do this thing over here. You can just take that traffic. You can throw it at it. You have something you're excited by, something you believe in. You can do that, right? When OUR came out and we did the documentary, I was able to be like, I care about this mission. I want a whole bunch of people to go over there. And I can just click a button and all of a sudden I send a whole bunch of people over there. So this is the best. This is the most important. This is what you want to get and what you want to be focusing on is how do I own traffic? These things are really, really good, but it's not the end all be all. Okay? This is the most important thing. I want to own it because someday Zuckerberg's going to snap his fingers and a lot of us, the smart ones of us here, right, have been using this platform and pulling people off, pulling people off, pulling people off. But right now, if, if Facebook shut down, I still have a million and a half people on an email list. I'm okay. Are you? If not, it's because you're focusing, okay? The, one of my fears in writing this book is I know a lot of people are going to be like, oh, Russell, I don't want to build a following and like do my own show and blah, 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 blah. I just want to buy ads. I just want to do arbitrage, right? And all I want to do is I want to go to Facebook ads and sell a product and just do arbitrage all day long. And you could do that, and it works for a little while, but it's not long-term. It's not sustainable, Okay? When Google, or Google shifts or Facebook shifts, whatever shifts, that disappears, arbitrage is gone, you're screwed, you don't have a business. Okay? The only actual sellable asset inside of a business in reality is your, is your list. It's your, it's your people. It's your own traffic. If you look at companies that have been bought over the last decade or so, if you look at the trend, the first time I saw this was when um, Skype was bought by eBay back man, probably 12 years ago now. Does anyone remember that? I think it was like two or three billion dollars. I remember looking at that, and at the time, eBay was like the number two most visited website in the world back before they ruined themselves. Remember eBay was awesome? And you'd go there, and you'd freak out. You'd spend all day trying to like find the thing, and you'd sit up all night waiting for the moment to like do the last bid because you want to beat the other guy, and you're in these wars. eBay used to be so much fun, and then they had like the buy it now thing, and it ruined the whole platform. And now it might be the number two most visited website to like 50. But there was a time when they were the best, right? They had the best developers, the best programmers. And so looking at Skype, eBay could have been like, hey, um, we got 800 developers. You three want to knock off Skype this weekend? We can have our own Skype. They could have done that. It would have been really easy. But instead, they, said, they came to Skype and said, hey, you have not made a penny so far. You have no actual track record, but you have, I can't remember, 500 million customers, subscribers. We'll give you $2.5 billion because we want your customer list. That's what they bought. Okay, when Zuckerberg offered a billion dollars to Snapchat, why was it? It wasn't because he couldn't knock it off. He just said it'd be easier just to buy the customer base. And that dude said, no, I think it was 6 billion they offered, right? And he was like, I'm holding out. I don't want to give, I don't want to sell my business too early on my very first try. I'm like, you got offered $6 billion, you moron. <laughs> and then he pissed off Thanos and guess what happened? Thanos snapped his fingers, bought Instagram and then crushed Snapchat overnight. It was really funny. <laughs> uh, anyway, don't mess with Zuckerberg. I'm just saying. Um, so Zuckerberg goes and buys Instagram, right? pays a ton of money for it because he wants the customer base. They could have knocked off the features in five minutes. They have the best developers in the world. That's not the thing. They bought it because of the customer base, right? Look at all the acquisitions. This is the sellable, tangible asset inside of your business. It's not your products. It's not your services. Those can all be replicated, duplicated easily. It's your list and the relationship with them. That is the value inside of your business. I want you guys thinking about that, okay? It's the value you provide your customers. That's the only actual tangible asset inside of a company, okay? So my goal is coming to these other places that traffic's already happening, and then to convert that into traffic that I own so that I'm, I'm protected during rainy days. When Facebook slaps or Google slaps, whatever happens, I'm not stressed out. Maybe my income might dip for a little bit, but I have a customer list. I'm okay. I can keep doing things during that process, okay? Um, that's the key. Now, a couple of things about this I want to kind of put in, make sure I, I talk about so people don't forget. One of the questions I get a lot when I talk about traffic is people are like, well, Russell, how do I create traffic? I'm like, whoa, stop, stop, stop. The word, by the definition of the word you use there, you don't understand what this is. 
You see, how do I create traffic? Okay, my goal is not ever to create traffic. Okay, traffic's there. People are already going to Facebook and Instagram and YouTube and this site and that blog. And, like, it's already there. Your job is not to create anything. Your job is to figure out where is this traffic already happening and say, oh my gosh, there's a whole stream of traffic right here of my dream customers is already happening. They're already going to these places. Your job is to be like, okay, I'm gonna step in this thing and boom, step in the stream of customers and start getting them for yourself. Okay, I'm not creating traffic. I'm finding where it's already at and I'm tapping into it and I'm diverting some of it over here into me and into my company, into my customers, okay? To become my customers, okay? So that's the thing to understand. You can either buy your, uh, either uh, control your traffic or you earn your traffic. Um, uh, okay, a couple, oh yeah, cool. Um, so make sure I don't forget anything. So a couple of cool things. Um, how many of you guys watch Shark Tank? okay. Some of you guys don't watch Shark Tank? There's like three good TV shows, and that's like one of them. So this right here, this becomes, if you look at it, what is this actually? This is your distribution channel, okay? Your list, your customers, this is your distribution channel. If you watch Shark Tank, it's interesting because um, every shark has, has a certain distribution channel that they are a master of. You guys know this? You watch this? So when a shark comes on Shark Tank and they go pitch something, and it's the clothing line, right? You look at all the sharks, and Lori's like, that doesn't work in QVC, I'm out. Um, Cuban's like, ah, this doesn't work on the internet. I'm out. And then like Damon's like, oh, clothing line. I literally make one phone call to my distribution channel and it's a billion dollar enterprise. I used to make one phone call. He's like, yes, I'll buy your clothing line. His distribution, he plugs it in. Boom. Someone comes to Shark Tank, like, hey, I got this little gadget and they show it. And, and, um, you watch Damon. He's just like, I, people that buy clothing in my distribution channel aren't going to buy that weird gadgety thing. I remember one of them was, um, this little like magnet thing that you put on your shirt to hook your glasses on. You guys never seen this one? I bought one for my dad the other day. He told me it was the best present I've ever given him. It was like $1.50. Crazy. Um, so Damon's like, people aren't going to hook down their clothing. That's weird. And then Lori's sitting there. And she's like, I, the distribution channel I own, the traffic that I own is this QVC. Like, I know how to do that. So she makes an offer because she has distribution. And in five minutes, that company goes from zero to like, I think it's 18 million bucks or something crazy last year. Right? And you look at all the sharks. All the sharks are good at one distribution channel. That's it. It's not like they have a thousand or a million. Like they're good at one and so when the offer comes and look at it and say, will this fit in my distribution channel? If so, they say yes, they plug it in and they make a bunch of money. If it doesn't, then they walk away. Okay, people make me deals all the time. I look at that and they come to me and I'm like, ah, like we make a lot of money. I'm like, I'm sure I could, but I got to work really, 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 really hard, right? Or they come in like Jim Edwards did with funnel scripts. He's like, hey, I got this idea for, for funnel scripts. It'll be amazing. I was like, ah, he's like, how about this? I'll do all the work, all the effort, all everything. All you have to do is every once in a while talk about it. I'm like, all right. So we did the deal, split 50-50 and Jim's um, a multimillionaire from the checks he gets from me alone, okay? Because he just plugged it into our distribution channels already happening. Does that make sense? Okay, so this is like your key. Like when you start understanding this, like this is your job. You're building up your own distribution channel. When you do that, it opens up a whole world of possibilities, okay? So distribution is key. Um, the next thing I want to talk about, just kind of uh, emphasize the importance of this. Um, so when I, when I first got started, uh, my first mentor was a guy named Mark Joyner. And uh, Mark owns a company now called Simpleology.com. And uh, anyway, Mark's, Mark's an amazing guy. And I remember when I first got started, he was at the time like the biggest internet marketing pioneer. Like, he developed all these amazing things. And his whole focus was on building huge email lists. And um, he, had, uh, he had this process he would do, create these viral sites. And I'm not going to talk about it in the context of this event, but he'd build these huge, huge email lists. And uh, eventually he ended up selling his company off and, and walking away before he launched Simpleology. But he sold off his company and I went and bought 
uh, this course from him. It was, it was called his farewell package where basically he took everything he learned in the last like 10 years and he sold them all off and then he retired from the business, right? So I bought this course from him and I started listening to it. And the whole entire course, all we talked about was like building a list, building a list, building a list. Like that's the foundation. You got to build your list. You got to build your list. You got to build your list. Um, I kept listening to it. And so I'm learning this as I'm first getting started. And at the same time, something amazing happened in the internet, okay? Um, it was right after the, Google, the initial Google slap, we got kicked out of PPC. But then what happened is that Google's trying to build out their SEO platform. They're trying to build out AdSense. So what they did is they said, hey, we're going to make this really, really easy on you. And so they said, if you put AdSense on your pages, we'll rank it really high in Google. And then uh, when someone clicks on it, we'll pay you insane amounts of money. Okay, anyone that was along, anyone online back then, about 10, 15 years ago when this was happening, those are smiling who were there, okay? It was insane. There was a software you could buy for $97 it's called Traffic Equalizer. You would open it up, you would say, you type in a keyword, you find out keywords that cost a lot of money. It's like mesothelomia. How do you say that? That keyword was worth like $30. And someone clicked on it, you got paid 30 bucks. So you type in that keyword and it would go to the internet. It would scrape all the articles on planet earth about mesothelomia. And it would bring it back into one little website and it would perfectly optimize the page. And every single page, you have 5,000 pages. You have all the AdSense blocks posted in the exact perfect spot to get the highest click-through rates. You click a button and within 15 minutes, the whole thing was done. And then because of the way the algorithm worked and the software reverse engineered, within like three days, you were number one in Google and all of a sudden you start getting clicks, 30 bucks a click. Like, holy crap. You're like, I'm gonna do another one. You pick another keyword and another keyword. And soon we had teams of people in the Philippines lining up rooms, just clicking the button on that software, making tons of garbage sites. We literally destroyed the internet for everybody. If you guys remember back then, it was horrible. Because you go to a site and you see like this little crappy article and ads everywhere around it. That's all the internet was, right? And people like us were making insane amounts of money. I had make friends making half a million dollars or more a month doing nothing, clicking on little buttons, right? Because they were trying to build their AdSense platform. And it worked. People were doing it like crazy. And then, um, so this is the time as I'm going through Mark's course, learning about list building. And I was like, but wait, hold on. I can click buttons and provide no value and make a ton of money. And Mark's like, no, 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 build a list. You got to build a list. I'm like, no, but they're, they're literally just clicking on buttons. They're not doing anything. Like I can click on buttons. Like, no, focus on building this. It's going to disappear. I'm like, no, no. But like, they, they, this is so easy. They're providing no value. They just click on buttons. They have other people clicking the buttons for them. He's like, no, focus on building lists. I was like, oh, stupid mentor. Fine. I'm going to listen to him. Right? And so I go and I'm doing this thing that Mark says, and I build a squeeze page and I drive traffic. I'm slowly building my list. And I'm annoyed. My list is getting bigger and bigger and bigger at the time, but I'm missing out on all the huge cash that's happening. And then what happened? Either Larry or Sergey, I'm not sure which one of the guys over there, but they got the glove on and they snapped and everybody disappeared overnight. Friends making half a million dollars a month were bankrupt within like 60 days. They couldn't afford to pay their staff because it all just disappeared. It was gone. And I was so grateful that Mark told me to focus on my list, focus on my list, focus on my list. Um, that gave me the stability to survive that up and down. Um, throughout the other big slaps and the other big things, the ups and the downs, the near bankruptcies, the, the problems, the trials, like everything, my list has been the thing that's gotten me through it. Um, every single time, like I, like I literally one time was in a, an office with a bankruptcy lawyer trying to figure out how the whole process worked. And I came home and I was so upset and so angry. I'm like, you know what? I have a list. Let's see what I can create a value to them. I had an idea, sent them some emails and got enough money to get through the storm, right? The list is like the secret weapon. It's the most important, most valuable thing you could possibly do. It's not your product. It's not your service. Nothing. All those things are great, but the customer list, like that's, that's the magic, you guys. Do you understand that? So if you understand that that's the magic, all your focus should be on how do we build a list? How do we build a list? How do we build a list? All your traffic generating um, things only have to do with this because as soon as they become your list, they shift from cold traffic to warm to hot. And if you treat them well and you send out nice things and you, and you provide value and do really good stuff, that list gets better and better and better. The relationships grows and everything becomes better and better for you, okay? 
So if nothing else this weekend, you understand anything else, like that's the focal point of your business. Okay? It has nothing to do with your product or your service. Okay? Now, when you have a list, amazing things can happen. Um, one of my favorite stories um, came from a little while ago. I was watching uh, Celebrity Apprentice. This is probably like four or five years ago. It was pre-Trump as president back when he was still firing people. He was funny. We were in Kenya, and um, we, uh, <laughs> we're in this little tiny village, and I'm asking the, the kids just different questions. And one of, the, one of the, the, um, the adults, I asked him, I was like, hey, do you know who Donald Trump is? And she's like, oh, yes. I'm like, like what do you think about him? And she goes, you're fired. <laughs> I'm like, how do you know that? You're in the middle of Africa without a TV. How do you know? She's like, oh, yeah, he's the you're fired guy. I have no idea, but they know that way out there. Anyway, so, um, so there's Donald Trump, and he's on The Celebrity Apprentice. And he gives everyone this challenge, right? And the challenge he gives everybody is this, it's a fundraising thing. So he says, go on the phone, call all your buddies, whatever, and you have to see who can raise the most money for their charity. So you watch all the other celebrities, and they're on there dying on their friends and their people, and they're getting donations and making a bunch of money, and everyone's having a ton of fun and a ton of success. And there's one dude who's sitting there. His name's Arsenio Hall. Who here remembers Arsenio Hall? Yeah. So he, for those... Yeah, those guys remember him. So he was the guy, he had a late night TV show. He'd come out and be like, hoo, 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 and everyone got excited. And like, he was the man back when I was like eight, right? I remember like when my parents would let me stay up late at night, we always watched Arsenio Hall because like he was late night, like, hoo, hoo, and it was awesome, right? But now fast forward to like four years ago, no one knows who Arsenio Hall is. And um, he's sitting there doing calls, doing calls, doing calls, doing calls. And at the end of the exercise, um, that night, he's sitting there in the hotel room, like drained, and everyone's talking about the money they made. And he's just sitting there all depressed. And, uh, and they start to kind of tease him, like, hey, man, I thought you had all the connections. I thought you had all the hookups. And, and he's getting more and more frustrated because he brought in no money. And finally, he says something that was so profound. He said, you know what? When I had my own show, everybody returned my calls. And now they don't. Okay, when you have your own platform, when you have your show, when you have your distribution, when you have this, this is why people return your calls. The reason why Tony Robbins called me is because I had this. The reason why other people get a hold of me is because I have this right? This is your asset. This is value to other people. When you have your own platform, your own show, like it's, it's value in and of itself. Okay. So if nothing else, like focus on that, it, it, it brings in, we're going to talk about dream 100 in a few minutes. The same thing, like it makes leveraging your dream 100 easier. It makes like all the pieces so much easier when you have your own list. Okay. So if nothing else from this event, just be like, I just need to build my list. Like that's, that is the secret sauce of this whole game. Okay. I always tell people like when you first start this game, it's kind of like pushing a big rock up a hill. And it's hard, right? You're pushing, you're trying to figure out products and hooks and stories and offers, all these things, you're pushing it up. But eventually you get to the top of the mountain and it goes over the top and starts getting more momentum and it gets easier and easier. And soon the balls, and you can't even keep up with it, right? So what's the difference? Like what, what happened at that peak of the mountain that shifted the other direction? It's this. It's you paying to build this. It's you working. It's like this, this grind where you're going through this process, but more and more people are coming in here and the list gets bigger and it gets bigger and it gets bigger to the point where all of a sudden it's so big, like it's hard to not make money, okay? Um, I'm going to share some, some numbers. And these aren't definites at all, but just to put like a, a perspective in your mind. So if you do this game poorly, if you do it wrong, um, you should average, on average, $1 per month for every name um, on your email list per month. Okay? So what that means is like when I started doing this process, when Mark George was like, build your list, build your list. I'm like, fine. I started to put up a squeeze page, started driving traffic to it. And I remember um, the first month of doing this process, I built a list of about 270, I think 273 people, if I remember right. And at the time, I don't remember, I made two or $300. And I was like, oh, like, that's interesting. Somebody told me that, and it was like pretty close. So I kept focusing on focusing on. Eventually, at a point, my list was 1,000 people. And sure enough, I was making about 1,000 bucks a month. We had 5,000 people, it's like 5,000 bucks a month. We had 10,000 people, it's 10,000 a month. When it was 15, 20, 30, I get followed almost to the T. 
It was fascinating. So for a lot of you guys, you're like, how do I get out of the rat race? How do I, how do I get out of this? Like, that's the number. How big can you build your customer list? Okay, the $1 per month per name is if you do it badly. Okay, and that's in like a mass market. In smaller markets, I know people get 10, 20, 30, 40, $50 per month per name on their email list. Okay, so that's the thing to think about. So if you're like, hey, man, if I can get to 100 grand a year, it means I need 10,000 people on my list times 12 months is $120,000 a year. If I want to be a millionaire, if I get, what's the math on that? If I get 100,000 people on my list, 1.2 million a year, right? If I want to make more, it's just, that's what it comes down to. Okay, I was, in fact, Stephen Larson and I were talking about this. I told him, I said, back in the day, my company wasn't growing. We started figuring out, like, what's the key metric we can focus on in our company? And the key metric was like, how many people have joined our list today? And I was like, I don't actually know what that is. I started looking, it was like, you know, 20 people, 50, 200, and like it was, it was all over the place. And so I said, every single day when I wake up in the morning, I want to email with, it shows me exactly how many people joined my list yesterday. And I started looking at it. And it was weird. As soon as you see something, as soon as you look at something, it starts growing or shrinking, right? If it's, you're trying to lose weight. But as soon as you start tracking something, it's magical. Your brain figures out ways to make things grow, right? And so for me, I was like, start looking at it. And all of a sudden, I went from 30 people a day to 50, to 100, to 200, to 500, to 1,000. And I remember uh, at one point, it was like 1,500 people a day. And I was like, looking at it, I'm like, I'm literally giving myself a $1,500 a month raise every single day. Like, who, who can do that in any other place on earth? Isn't that insane? I have people complain like, oh, Russell's cost me a dollar lead on Facebook. I'm like, okay, so you pay a dollar to get a lead that makes you $12 for the next 12 months. Like, that seems like the best investment on planet Earth, right? I had some guy come pitch me on this real estate investment. It was amazing. He showed me all the numbers, the metrics, how the whole thing worked. And then, like, it was like, how, he showed me how much money he needed. And, like, over the next five years, I'd break even. I'd make a profit. And, like, 30% up. And, like, you make 30% of your money. That's huge. And I was like, but if I take that same 100 grand and I just buy a list of 100, like, I'd average an extra $1.2 million a year. He's like, that doesn't make sense. And I explained it. He's like, you live in some alternate reality that makes no sense to me whatsoever. Right? But I started focusing on that and it became the focal point of our entire company and started growing. See, do you mind? just kind of commenting on this because he just like two days ago told me he started the same process with him. About, uh, about uh, I don't know, three, four months ago, we started tracking on the metrics too, um, specifically for opt-ins. And, um, and it was about, you know, it's weird. I don't know what the deal is. About three, four months ago, it was about only like a thousand opt-ins a month. I was like, cool. Now at least I know it's the baseline. We're up to 1,500 a week now and it's awesome. It's just yeah. more and more and more and more and more. And I don't know what I'm changing you know what I mean? I really don't. There's just the fact that I'm tracking it is what's making it grow for some reason. It's amazing. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Give him a round of applause. That's good. <laughs> okay. So this is the low tier. $1 per month per name that's on your list, right? So you start being, like, being aware of that. Like that becomes the game. And then if you start doing all these other things we talk about through expertsecrets.com secrets, and you actually first off provide insane value. You help them. You move a value ladder. You're doing all these other things. You're creating other offers, other ways to serve them. That $1 quickly goes to five, the five to 10, 10 to 15. Can our company, I don't know the exact metrics, but it's, 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 actually I can figure out my head. We're probably six, six and a half dollars ish. No more than that. Probably last month we were at $8 for every person on our email list. Dang, that's kind of cool to look at. All right. So there you guys go. So that's something to be driving you and thinking about and focusing on all the time. As that grows, everything else grows with it, okay? Um, all right. Uh, okay, <laughs> I got two other stories to tell you that are kind of funny. Um, all right, so when I first started learning about this list building thing, just like some of you guys, today might be the first time you really thought about it, at least this deep, right? Um, I remember I was, uh, man, I was in college at Boise State, and for me, it was like I read this article. I have no idea who wrote the article. I wish I could find it again because um, it was... It was the paradigm shift for me that, like, that made the whole thing make sense. But the article basically was like, um, something about like, have you, like do, you believe the, do you believe the stories about how these gurus make like $30,000 in an hour? 
And I'm the skeptical college kid. No, they got to be lying. I started reading the article and he's like, hey, this may seem like a big thing, but the reality is it's actually true. I was like, wait, what? Must continue reading article. He's hooked me. I'm in, right? And so I keep reading the article and he says, look, it may seem like far-fetched, but but think about from a math standpoint. So some of these people have a list of 50 or 100,000 or a million people. He says, if they send an email out to a list to 100,000 people and sell them a $50 product, if they just get you know, 1% of people to buy, that's whatever, $12,000. So they get 2%, that's like 30,000, right? He says, so all it is is just math. So the bigger your email list, you're hoping the percentage buys, that's how it works. I remember thinking, I was like, oh my gosh, like that's, that's it. I just got to focus on building a big list. So my first way my brain went, and this is probably the entrepreneurial way, um, was not like, what's the, what's the best way to do it? It was like, what's the easiest way to do it, right? And so I remember going online back in the early Google days. I remember typing in a bunch of keywords. And one of the keywords I searched in was spam-free email addresses. I'm like, if I could just get, buy a bunch of spam-free email addresses, this would be huge, right? So I'm going around. And I think this, I, if I remember right, the site I think was spamfreeemailaddresses.com. And I go to the site and they were selling DVDs with spam-free email addresses. And it was like $10, you get 100,000 names. 50 bucks, you get a million names. For like $250, you get like seven or eight million names. I was like, Oh my gosh, this is going to be the great. I was like doing the math in my head. I'm like, okay, 7 million people divided by 0.1% times a $50 product. I'm doing the math. I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like, that's like $50,000 a day if I mailed it every day. Okay. And like, wait, wait, what if I screw up? Then I only get point per, like a half of a percent or 1% or like, and I kept doing the fraction. I'm like, man, no matter how I did the math, I was a bajillionaire by the time this whole project was done. So I set up my $250, get my DVD. The DVD shows up in the mail. I'm just like, don't let this thing break. This is literally billions of dollars. Why would they sell this to me? But they did for so cheap, right? So I get this thing. I try to plug it in. I'm like, I don't know how to mail this out. So I had Hotmail at the time. So I log into Hotmail. I'm like, how do you send? So I'm like asking Hotmail support. Like, how do you send out like 7 billion emails? They're like, you can't. I'm like, oh, I might try to BCC people. Like, yeah, I, I learned a lot of things. And then finally I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't work. So I'm researching more and Back then, this is pre-like email autoresponders, but they had these things you could buy, you download them on your computer, and you load up the email uh, list into the thing in the computer, and from your desktop, it would mail out um, all these different messages. So that was another like, I don't know, 80 bucks for the software to do that. So I buy the software, and then I upload the, the list, and then I was like, I don't have anything to sell right now. I got to think of something. So I had an idea for a product I could make if people bought, and so I'm going to write an ad for this thing, and then I'm going to go make it if people actually buy it. So write this ad. I put a direct link to my PayPal account in the email. Um, that's how sophisticated I was. And then uh, I queued up this thing. And I remember at the time, my wife and I just barely gotten married. And um, this is back. Do you guys remember um, dial-up modems? So we had one phone line. And so like, I get it all set up on the computer and everything. And it's like, that's time to go to bed. And, and I'm so excited. And I was like, Colette, like, I'm like, I can explain this math to you. Like 7 million people. It's like just 1% buy. I'm like, but like, even if that doesn't work, let's say 1% of 1% buy, like we're still freaking rich. I'm like, you literally can, and she's supporting me at the time. Like, you can go and quit tomorrow. I'm totally cool with it. Like, even if I fail, we will be so rich. It won't even matter. And so she's like, oh, this is gonna be awesome. And so that night, I remember I, I go underneath the desk because I go under the desk and I unplug this, the, um, the wireless cordless phone, plug in the modem, come back out. I dialed into my little modem, bleep, 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 connected. And I'm like, here it goes, send. I see first email sent, second email sent, third, fourth, fifth. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is it. I finally figured it out. Went to bed that night, slept so good. I was just like, I will be rich in the morning. <laughs> Next morning, I wake up and my beautiful wife has got to go to work because that's what she was does. She was supporting me at the time. And um, she's heading out to work. And I remember um, she's like, I need to call someone. I was like, I, no, we, you can't call. Like, 
I'll unplug the, like, like, I think it was like 6,800 emails have been sent at this point. So I was like, 6,800 people, like 1%, don't forget this. And she's like, I have to call this person. I'm like, oh, so I like, pause the mailer, crawl in the desk, unplug it, plug back in the wireless phone. And while I'm still under the desk, I plug it back in. I hear the phone ring. I was like, oh, crap. So I come out and I answer it. And it's my um, internet service provider at the time. And, there, and it was like a local company. And this dude is cursing me out like nobody's business. I'm just like taking it like, ugh. And he's explaining, like, what are you doing? Like, we got like 400 spam complaints in the last 12 hours from you, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff. And I'm just like, no, 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 so you don't understand, you don't understand. No, see, I went to, okay, I went to this website, it's called spamfreeemailaddresses.com. I bought, it's like, they're spam-free email addresses, you don't understand. And I remember, he t- he's like, so you bought the list of people and then you're mailing them. I'm like, yes. He's like, that is the definition of spam. I was like, really? Crap. And I was like, okay, well, okay. So I kind of hit the phone and he canceled my internet access. So I wasn't able to log back in. My wife has a phone call. And on the way out there, I was like, wait, wait, um, don't quit yet. Like just, let's wait till like, just please, I'm not ready. Like I just want to make sure the, the checks are cleared first. Oh, so I, I, all depressed, I put on my backpack. I walked to school. I'm sitting in my class. I'm all annoyed. And I did the thing that college students know how to do when you want to get out of sitting in a class. Where I was like, sort of like fidgeting a little bit, like, and the teacher's like, oh, so I like run out. I'm like, oh. I go to the computer lab. I sit down and I'm like all upset. I check my email and I check my email. I open up and there's like probably 12 or 13 um, emails from PayPal of people that bought my little thing. I was like, oh my gosh, this actually worked. Like the thing worked. Like I did it illegally, but like it worked. Like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is the most amazing thing in the world. And then I was like, I didn't actually make that product yet. So then I'm like, I got to make this product. So I'm like making the product and all sorts of stuff. It's like the Myron thing, right? Anyway, whatever. So I'm making the product, shipping them out to people all excited. And then the process, I'm like, okay, I, the result was right, but the process was wrong. What's the right process? I started this phase of my life, started geeking out, trying to learn these things. That's where I met Mark Joyner and started learning from these people about how to drive traffic into your own squeeze page to build a list people actually want to hear from you. But that that moment shifted my life. As soon as I realized that like, the, it worked, we send an email to your list and somebody buys it, it's like, this is, this is huge. This changes everything. And that became my focal point from that point, that point forward. Okay? All right, hopefully I've driven the point down deep enough on your list. It's important. Um, okay, one more thing I want, I want to talk about really quick, and we're going to go deeper on this probably tomorrow when we get into follow-up funnels. Um, back when I was getting started, the focal point, this was all your email list. This is all this was. Okay, the market that you guys are in today, this has evolved, it's shifted. It's not just that, okay? It is, it's bigger than that. And some people think like, oh, this is my Facebook platform. It's my Instagram followers. No, that's not what this is, okay? Because who owns your, the Facebook platform? The second the snap happens, you can lose your thing, right? How many of you guys saw the story last month about Alex Jones? Had like how many tens of millions of followers? Facebook's like, I actually don't like you. Boom, gone. Overnight gone. He did not own that. Somebody else owned it. He was controlling it. He had attention. He, was, he had earned his way in, but it's very easy for people just to get rid of those things, okay? What this is, is all of your data that's not stored on platforms. This is your pixel data. This is your email. This is your uh, messenger list. This is like all those other things. That's what this is. This is all the data on all your customers um, in as many different ways you can gather it, okay? For us, we're obsession of gathering it in tons of different ways, Okay. Um, in fact, the main reason we, um, year one of ClickFunnels, first year of ClickFunnels, we didn't have Actionetics. The main reason why I built Actionetics is because I had all my emails on a different platform, actually more than once. In fact, I have all the numbers here. Um, and they didn't like my marketing practices and they shut me down. Do you want to hear how many times? I pulled it up last night. So I used AWeber first. I've been shut down by AWeber six times. Uh, get response shut me down four times. Eye contact nine times. I kept going back to them. Uh, Infusionsoft twice, ActiveCampaign two times, MailChimp three times, 
And it got to the point where it was so ridiculous. Every single time I got shut down, I would go spend um, months building out these follow-up sequences, right, in, in AWeber. I'd build out like three months worth of follow-up sequences. I'd get my list. I'd upload my whole list. Email number one gets sent. Email number two gets sent. I'm like, oh, this is finally working. And I get that dreaded email. Dear sir, we do not like your marketing practices. Your list has been canceled. Please export all data within the next 24 hours. What? Like, why? Like, oh, you got too many spam complaints. I'm like, how, how do I spend too many spam complaints? Like, oh, well, we have really high email deliverability. So people haven't heard from you in six years. Finally got your email. They didn't like us. So I'm like, okay. So like, I take that. I export my list. I'm like, crap. So I have to go to a new platform. I rebuild. Spend three or four months rebuilding my entire sequence again. But I do it different this time because half my list got email one, two, and three. So I have to rewrite new emails that aren't going to be the same they got like two weeks ago. So I rewrite a whole new sequence. takes me two or three months and get response. I upload a get response. Boom, email one goes out. Email two, email one, three. I get the email again. Dear sir, we do not like your market. I'm like, do you guys work for the same company? Like oh, word for word, the same email. And I go to eye contact. And like, at that point, I was so annoyed. That I was like, how do we build something that like, it can be a solid foundation for us. And that was why we actually decided to build Action Next. I was like, I want to build something where I can build my sequences. I want a spot where, like, let's say the, the person I'm mailing through doesn't like my practices and I get shut down from like a SendGrid or from a, um, I can't think of the Mandrill or uh, um, AWeber or um, AES, uh, whatever, um, Amazon's emails, where I can just like plug in something else and I don't lose my customers, I don't lose the data. Like things keep happening. And so that's why we built it to be a safe haven for all of us marketers to store our data where it doesn't just disappear. Okay, this is a lot of pain. This is years collectively of me rebuilding campaigns. Well, I could have been just serving my customer. I kept having to rebuild it. They shut you down. Rebuild it. Shut it down. With uh, with with uh, with what we do, we don't shut you guys down. You, you build the campaigns, and even if your provider shuts you down, you just plug in a new provider and you keep rocking and rolling, keep going. So that's why we built, and that's the that's the purpose behind it. Thank you. So we have some big updates coming out to ActionX that'll be going live in the next week or so that you guys are going to love. Um, but the reason why, in fact, it's funny, we, we internally in the office call this the black box because you know what happens like in every single airplane, apparently there's this black box that's hiding in the plane, right? And as the plane's flying through, it's recording all the data that's happening. And then if that plane wrecks and everybody dies, like, what just happened? There's this black box that cannot die in a plane wreck somehow. I don't know how they do that. They pull the black box out and they look at all the data and it's all there. So we did like, I want this to be a black box where everyone can store their stuff so that if you crash and burn, you can still pull it out and be like, oh, cool, plug in something else, let's go. Okay, because if you lose that, you lose your business. Okay, so that's kind of the, the, the purpose behind it. It's your black box that stores all your data. Okay, all right. Who here is sold on building a list? Okay, good. I've done my work here. I can move to the next thing. All right, um, there you go. There's going to take a picture of it. All right, the next phase I want to go deeper into now um, this part's so much fun. Um, literally last night at like 10 o'clock at night, I had an idea that shifted this whole presentation. I was freaking out. I was calling Steven and Julie and Dave. We're all freaking out. So um, you guys get to be on the other side of the freak out, which hopefully you guys will enjoy. Okay. So I'm going to go to the power of congregation. All right. I talked about this a little bit earlier with like the wrestling congregations, right? Like when I was wrestling, there were congregations wrestlers who were all, who were all grouping in the same spots. Um, but this is, the, like, we understand this congregations, like, this is why the internet is so powerful. Before the internet, people didn't congregate together um, based on beliefs and values and things they liked. Congregated, they congregated together based on where they lived, right? Like, I grew up in Sandy, Utah, so we hung out with people in Sandy, Utah, because that's as far as we could get. 
the internet popped out and it gave us the ability to have a global audience. We connect with everybody in the world, right? Um, I still remember in high school, I remember all the different little cliques, right? Like I was one of the wrestlers, so I was with all the wrestlers we hang out. But look at all the other cliques that were happening. They were like the band guys and the, and the music people. And there was like this group of people playing that magic card game every day at lunch. I was like, what are they doing? There was this group of people that had these like black sticks and they'd flip things around. And I was like, every day at lunch, they were doing that. And there's like three or four of them. We're like, why are they doing It's so weird, right? Now, for them, there's like three kids in my high school that did that. But how many of us had three kids in your high school who also did some of those things? So what happened is the internet came together, and all of a sudden, all three kids in every single high school all gathered together. Now there's five million people talking about Magic the Gathering, okay? Or a million people talking about these sticks that you flip. A million people talking about wrestling. Like, it's given the ability where everyone can congregate together based on actual things that they're excited by, beliefs and values and things like that, right? So that's the power of the internet that, that we have, which is amazing. And so... What's cool about it is it makes, it makes our life so much easier because all we have to do is go find those congregations and then we tap into them, okay? Now, um, what I want to do is I want to kind of walk you guys through. Some of this stuff is expert secret stuff. I want to I lay it out because it, it frames what you need to understand for the congregation side of things, okay? How many of you guys have read the expert secrets book? Thank you. How many of you guys haven't yet? Nobody will, not even one will admit it. All right. There's going to be a test later. Okay. All right, so in Expert Secrets, we talked about um, the evolution of the markets, right? So if you look at like the way that the markets first began, this is probably back about the time that interruptions started happening, right? Direct mail, TV, radio, like all of a sudden there was like this, people weren't just buying based on needs. It's when we had the ability to interrupt somebody and like sell them based on desires, right? So that's the, that's the magic. So like as soon as it shifted from that, so again, uh, probably um, early 1900s or so, <clears throat> Marketers like us have the ability to, to sell based on desire. So what are the three core desires, the three core beliefs? Who remembers? Health, wealth, relationship. Cool. So these are the three markets, the core markets, or you can call it three core desires. I heard Stephen Larson say that one time. I was like, that's amazing. It's the three core desires, right? And so you think about this. Back in the 1900s, there weren't a ton of people doing this, Right? The people who were in business were the people who had um, their toasters at the grocery store and they were hoping for someone to come and actually search for it. But all of a sudden opened this channel where we could interrupt people and sell them on this concept, right? So what happened is that all, the, a few people started getting this, like someone who was like the health person. In fact, anyone here have read the book, Make Them Believe? Dan Kennedy wrote, Make Them Believe? <laughs> yeah, Myron, a few of you guys, it's worth reading. Um, what was the name of the doctor? Does anyone remember off the top of their head? It was this health? Uh, Chip Kessler was his co-author. Um, I'm going the name. Anyway, there was this doctor back in the early 1900s um, who became famous for these health procedures where he would um, put you under and give you goat testicle transplants. I'm going to leave it there. I don't know the rest of the story. But he was like one of the first health people, right? And he's going from city to city like, hey, men, we can change your whole life. Okay? If you're having troubles, it's because you need goat testicles instead of the ones you were born with. I can give you a surgery and change these things out. And he created desire. People are like, are you kidding me? That's all it takes? Goats? Okay, this guy became insanely rich in the health market. And he was the first one, right? Same thing happened in relationships. Same thing happened here. These three desires. People started finding that they could fulfill the needs of these desires and help people. Okay? And at first, they were the only ones. Like, so there's this blue ocean. Like, I'm the only person. I throw something out there. It doesn't matter what I'm throwing out there. People are buying. They're hooking. I'm just, I'm just pulling in fish like crazy. Anyone ever gone to a stock pond and going fishing? Like, it doesn't matter what you do. I went fly fishing with these guys uh, a couple weeks ago or uh, a month or so ago. And like, they're teaching how to fly fish. And I am so bad. Like, and they're like, no, your wrist is wrong. No, like everything. I'm like, I don't know. But what's cool is they were stocked ponds with fish who literally eat like 500 times a day off people's lines. So I'm like, oh, like horrible form. I'm like, but I got a fish. <laughs> like, it's not that hard, right? 
Even I was a good fisherman in those situations. So during this time, you could be selling goat testicles and you're going to make a bunch of money. It doesn't even matter, right? Anything you throw out there, people are biting. But then what happened? Then people start saying, oh my gosh, there's money to be made. Entrepreneurs start looking at that saying, there's opportunity there. I wonder that too. And they start jumping in. And these blue oceans that were amazing started getting bloody. And there's more and more competition started coming in these, right? Okay. And so that was in the early 1900s. Now you look at fast forward 20, 30 years, what started happening is the evolution of the market started happening. What happened is they start looking and they say, okay, there's a bunch of people teaching wealth in, in this world of wealth. Um, but, uh, but it's getting hard. There's more and more people all competing. And so people start specializing. So they start breaking out into what we call the submarkets. This is like the second phase of this thing, right? So instead of teaching, I'm going to help you be wealthy. It's like, well, I'm going to do it through a certain vehicle. The vehicle I'm going to do is let's say it's, let's say it's real estate, I'm going to do it through, through sales. I'm going to do it through internet investing. I'm going to do it through eBay or whatever it was, right? But all of a sudden, people started diversifying the markets. And they come out here and they're like, when eBay came out, I and mean, the first person was like, I'm going, to, I'm going to teach you how to make money on eBay. That person made so much money, they're the only ones, right? And it was this blue market. They're throwing out things, making tons of money, going like crazy. And then other people saw that. And all of a sudden, there are more and there are more in there. Okay? And when I first got in this business, Ben, back in early 2000, 2001, if you wrote with eBay on the end of any offer, you were rich. How to make money on eBay, how to flip houses on eBay, how to blah, blah. If you were at eBay at the end, it was crazy because everyone was so excited about this big, huge thing, eBay, right? It just worked until um, eventually it didn't, right? Because all of a sudden, more people got in there, it got, it got bloodier and bloodier and bloodier to the point where like, it got hard to compete in these things, okay? So that was probably 70s, 80s, 90s-ish, okay? Now, the market that you guys are in today that we've inherited right now is one step deeper than that, right? It's coming down and going from, um, from uh, the sub-markets into what we call the niches. So inside of real estate, there's a lot of ways to do real estate, right? Oh, you can flip houses. You can wholesale houses. You can, um, you can lean. You can short sell. All these different things, like the sub-niches inside of here. Initially, they were nice and, nice and, uh, and blue, but as happens, um, they start to get bloody as well. Okay? And so for us, this is like, this is what's happening. Okay? This is kind of the market you guys have all inherited today. And some of you guys are like, man, I want to go back to the 1800s. It's been way easier, right? Yeah. But you have to understand this is where we are today, okay? And so a couple of things um, I, want to, I want to sketch out here for you. The first thing I want you to understand, if you look at, like we talked about earlier today, cold, warm, and hot markets, right? Down here, this is like the cold markets, right? These guys are cold. If you look at these right here, these are the warm markets, what it is you're selling, and our job as marketers is to come in here and we're looking, let's see how can I do this. This is, a, this is like this big red ocean, right? Inside of here are all of your, your dream customers. And they're swimming around. How many fish do you need to draw, Russell? At least five. Okay, so there's all these, these, these customers, right? And all of them in these markets, they're in a vehicle right now, and they're trying to get this result we talked about earlier, right? They all have this result to try and get to, but they're in different vehicles. They're, in, they're, they're trying to become wealthy, so they're maybe in their real estate vehicle. Maybe they're in this, they're in different vehicles, but their goal is the same. They want this, right? This is the end result they want. They want a better relationship. They want to be healthier. They want to, make, they want to be wealthy. That's still the core desire they have, but the vehicle they've chosen is here, or they've gone here. Somewhere in here, they've chosen a vehicle that they're in right now. Okay, it's very, very rare you find someone that hasn't chosen a vehicle. If they have, it's the cold traffic. This is why cold traffic is harder to convert. Because I had to first, I had to put them into a vehicle. If they're already in a vehicle, then our job's easy. We just have to go make fun of the other vehicles, and people come to our vehicle, right? We have to convince them that our opportunity is better than the one that they're currently in. Okay, that's why we start here. It's easier to come here. So if you draw a little picture of this, this is you. 
And your job is simply, I'll talk about this a couple of things, but first off, your, your job is going to be to create your own blue ocean, but then you're basically fishing back here and you're grabbing people out of these other markets and pulling them into your new opportunity. Okay. All right. Now, this is the evolution we talked about that we were kind of brainstorming on last night. Uh, in the Expert Secrets book, I talked about this concept, right? And in here, I said, your guys' job is to try to create a new niche. Like, how do you create a new ocean that's not, that's not already bloody? Um, how do you create an actual new opportunity where you're not just trying to be a better version of something else? That's a hard thing to do. And um, what I realized um, over the last, ever since this summer, this summer, um, I read a book called Play Bigger. Anyone here read that book yet? I've been talking about it on the podcast for a while and kind of geeking out on it. So the book Play Bigger, um, it's, an in- it's a really interesting book. Um, but the core concept behind it, it talks about, is a concept we call category kings. So what is a category king? If you look at every market, there is a category king, right? And the category king sucks up like 90% of all the business, right? And the last 10% is like the scraps everybody else is fighting over, okay? So think about it in, in the different businesses and industries you're in, right? Um, um, Apple in the phones. They became the category kings of smartphones. They sucked up the entire business and then all these other companies fighting over the scraps, right? You look at other ones. Um, anyway, Amazon, yeah. Any business, and think about the market you're in. Every, what was that? Kleenex, Xerox, Netflix. Every, every industry, there is a category king, okay? Now, what's interesting, that book, it goes back historical from like the beginning of time till now. And it's almost impossible to dethrone a category king. After someone has become a category king, it's almost impossible to dethrone them, okay? The category king isn't necessarily the first person to the market, but it's the first person who steps in and, and like, dominates it, right? That is, becomes the category king. So the category, and if you read that book, it goes through a whole process of what they call category design. Like, how do you actually design your category and things like that? And so what I wanted to kind of lean more towards for us and for everybody is to think about this, like, like instead of just like, I'm going to create another niche, it's like, no, I want to do something bigger. Like, I want to create something bigger. Like, how do you actually create your own category, right? And so right here, I'm going to write category king. Like, this is your blue ocean. This is, it's, it's, it's bigger than this. It's you're grabbing people and you're bringing them into your new category. So, for example, and some of these things we did, and I didn't, I didn't know it going into it, but looking back now, I was like, oh my gosh. Like, when we, when we started ClickFunnels, um, there was a lot of this happening, right? There was like wealth and there was sales and there's, there's email platforms, text messaging platforms, marketing automation, CRMs, all these different things, right? And if I would have came out, we launched ClickFunnels and said, all right, this is the deal. Look into the landscape. And at the time, the biggest um, landing page software was lead pages, right? That, that was the category king of landing page software. If I would have came in and be like, all right, we're going to be bigger than I'm like, I am the category, I'm going to become the category king. If I would have said ClickFunnels is the best landing page software in the world, what would have happened? They already had all the attention, right? I could have chipped away at it, but then there was like unbounced. All these other ones, like 50,000 people all fighting over that category. So I could have came in there and tried to fight against all of the, all the pressures of everyone's, you know, try to swim upstream or instead I didn't, right? I couldn't get some Fusionsoft, right? Arguably at the time, they were the biggest marketing automation platform out there, right? They were the category kings of marketing automation. If I said, ClickFunnels is the best marketing automation software in the world, what would have happened? It would have been tough, right? I'm going against that whole thing. So instead, we designed our own category unknowingly. I said, look, I'm not going to be the best landing page software. I'm going to be the best marketing CRM. I'm going to be the best sales funnel builder on planet Earth. Luckily at the time, we have to be the only sales funnel pla- builder on planet Earth, right? We created our own category. We launched it. We grew it up. We became the category king. And right now, I look at our competitors and they're fighting over the last 10% of the scraps. And there's a lot of them. Okay, I know because I get emails every single time the new one launches. And I just laugh. I'm like, why would you even do that? Like you're coming in trying to like, okay? And what's happening is that after you become the category king, you start sucking up the categories around you, right? Lead pages, 
is no, I, has anyone heard from lead page recently? Yeah. Okay. They least, they recently launched uh, lead page funnels where you can do funnels outside lead pages. Nobody's talking about it. They're like, Oh, these guys are the cat. Let me come like fighting. Like best case scenario. You can't just throw in a category king unless the, the founder is something really, really stupid. Right. If I tweet something, no, it's, that's somebody else. But like, as long as the software doesn't go down, right. Do something stupid. Like it's going to be really hard to dethrone the category king. It's almost historically impossible. It happens but not often. Very, very rare. Right. And so you got to think about like, as you're growing your business, like don't think about like, I'm just going to create another niche. It's like, how do you become a category king of something? And it's not so much that I developed something completely new. It's looking like what's around me. I had marketing automation. I had landing page software. I had split testings. I had all these things. And we do all those things. But like, what is it that makes us unique? What can we be the best in the world? What can we be the category king? What is my blue ocean? It's funnels. And so we design the category around that. Okay, so for you guys start thinking through that, like what is your category? What is the thing that you can be? Okay, and that's deeper than we're gonna get into this event. This is like um, Expert Secrets 201. We could go really, really deep. Um, but if you do wanna go deeper on this, read Play Bigger. Um, it's a really good read. There's an audio book as well, but it talks about category design. How do you design that? How do you figure out what is your actual blue ocean? What makes you different? Like how do you, because again, it's not like a huge shift. It's just like, it's a positioning thing. How do you position yourself differently so you are your own category? It's hard to step into where somebody else is a category king and win, but it's easy if you're developing the category to be the winner because you develop it and you're, you got a head start before anyone else catches up to you, right? We had two years of destroying funnels before anyone else started coming after us hard, okay? Because we had a head start. So if you guys, it's the same thing. Like, start thinking about that. How, do I, how am I designing this category so I can be the king? And if you have that, now it's like, now, now, now you own that, right? Now it's your own thing. Then after you figure that out, now this is your blue ocean. You know what it is. Then your job is just look at this and okay, I'm just going to go a step backwards. Okay, look at this. These are the desires. Okay, so first off, for the product or service you sell, which core desire are you helping people with? Is it health? Is it relationships? Is it wealth? And somebody's like, Russell, this doesn't fit in my business. My business is different. Stephen, do you want to rant for a few seconds? Please come on up here. Come up here. I need you on stage. If we're going to rant, I need to rant. Oh, but Stephen, friend. I sell shavers. I, I, I don't help health, wealth, or relationship. I don't even know what you're talking about. This doesn't fit. This whole thing's a scam. I don't believe you guys. Well, Russell, that's not true. <laughs> but how does razors fit into one of these core <laughs> desires? Okay, you guys know, uh, right? Um, okay, think about this, right? We know, we know that the product is different than the sales message, right? And we know that if you think about like, you're going to choose one of these three things. It's going to be health, wealth, or relationships. Drives me nuts when someone says, but Stephen, but I'm not selling one of those things. Reaction. No reaction. All right. Okay. Over here. Drives me nuts. Okay. Because while your product does not have to fit in one of these three categories, your sales message must. Okay, so if you think about like Gillette, uh, Gillette's one of my favorite examples. Gillette, um, right, Gillette Razor, what, what category are they actually selling into? Relationships. Relationships. You guys are all listening to me, right? Why? Because they're coming in, and I'm not shaving right now, right? <laughs> but some, some guy's got up and he's shaving his face. Yeah, I'm the man. You think of their commercial, right? The, the message inside of that, oh, shaving the face, shaving the face. And then a woman comes up and like feels his face up like, yeah, what's up? Man, you want the woman? Here's the razor, Right? And so even if it doesn't naturally fit inside of there, if your product, I don't know, do I sell health, wealth, or relationships? If your product doesn't fit there, the sales message must. And you have clarity on the desire that you are delivering back to the market. Okay? Easiest way to do that 
if you start thinking through this category that you're going to go create and develop, just figure out what rocks you're going to start throwing back into that red ocean and you start getting all the customers to listen and, oh my gosh, my vehicle of what I want to get me there is actually not adequate anymore. Yeah. Is that awesome? Give it out of applause. Thank you, Well, I guess, actually, I'll take it right down. All right. I love it, Stephen Rance. How many of you guys like that? <laughs> Can you imagine the office when he was at ClickFunnels? I'd be like ranting, that he'd be ranting and be getting louder and louder and everyone outside's like, what is happening in there? Like, I don't know. Just back up. All right. So um, I love that. The product doesn't fit this, but the sales message does, okay? When you're interrupting someone, you're not selling based on their needs. Like, I need to shave. You're selling the desire, right? You're selling the desire. Now, what's interesting, right? So Gillette Shavers comes out here. Okay, one of our friends comes out a little while ago, and he's like, I want to be the category king. And he started a company called Dollar Shave Club. Excuse me, not Dollar Shave, Dollar uh, Beard Club. And you guys saw Dollar Beard Club. So Dollar Shave Club first, right? And then there's Dollar Beard Club. And um, if you look at his, all of his ads are him making fun of people like me who can't grow a beard. Literally every one of them. He was like, one of the ads is like, hey, you've never seen someone say, hey, man, nice shave. Never happens. Grow a beard. I'm like, oh. <laughs> I, uh, even as someone who can't physically grow a beard, I'm like, I must. And he's like, well, we have beard supplements that will help you grow a beard and beard oil. I'm like, I need to get these things, but I can't. Anyway, right? So the thing is, like, as you're developing your category, what you're doing, like Stephen said, you're looking back now and saying, okay, this is, this is the congregations that I'm going to be saving people from. Like, I legitimately, I don't know if you guys feel this way about your business. And if you don't, you need to amplify this. I legitimately feel like if someone's not using ClickFunnels, they're screwed. Like when I see someone using Infusionsoft, I'm like, God, your life could be so much better. Would you understand what we could do for you? I remember like um, uh, the first time people see me do a webinar, I close pretty consistently live, about 15% uh, who are on the webinar. If we're in a live event, it can be anywhere from 30 to 50%. And people are like, man, you closed like half the room. That's amazing. And I'm like, the other half didn't buy. Like what more could I have done for them? Right? Like you have to be that passionate about what you do, being like so angry. Like, yeah, 15% is a great conversion, but the other 85%, how do I not get those people to understand what I'm saying? It makes no logical sense to me, right? If you didn't buy my thing, you must hate money. That's the only logical explanation why you didn't buy, right? That's how I honestly feel about what I sell. And you guys need to feel that same passion because I'm looking at this right here. And these are all the people. These are all these vehicles that people are driving and trying to get this result. They're going to the mountain trying to get the result. And I'm like, you are going so slow. I could speed you up. I can get you there faster. I can get you the better, more efficient. Some of you guys, I know that Pinto will never make it to the top of the mountain no matter how hard you try and you're just trying, you're trying, like, I need to save you. Like, please let me do that for you. Let me take you from these other vehicles and plug you into my world. Okay, so I'm looking as I'm looking at the marketplace and say, okay, here's all the different places that people are currently congregating that need what I have to, to offer. And if I can get them to come to me, I can help them. I can serve them at a higher level than anybody else can. That's the kind of vision you have to have as you're trying to figure out this thing, right? We know who our dream customers are. If they're not here with you right now, they're somewhere stuck in here in this red bloody ocean being devoured by your competitors. You got to feel that passionate about it, you guys. If you do, it makes this game so much easier. If you're like, oh yeah, my thing's good, but the other one's good too. No, you got to be this passionate about what you're doing. Like how many of you guys feel that way about what you sell? If not, if not, like how do we crank up that heat? You got to believe it and believe it and believe it. And if you don't believe it yet, it means you haven't served enough people. Go find more people and work for free. Serve them. Do whatever you can to give them the result. Because the more you get that, the more it's going to burn inside you. And the more you want to serve people better. Okay? And you're going to look back at this thing and say, okay, here's all my dream customers and I'm going to save all of them. I'm going to get these people over here at whatever cost because I know this is a better way for them. They're going to be happier. Life's going to be better. And someday they're going to be grateful for me for being a marketer who keeps throwing hooks out there and trying to drag them in, trying to drag them in, drag them in, right? 
Okay? And so this is, this is the goal. Now, eventually we come back here. So we started moving back to cold traffic. And most of you guys will probably never get to cold traffic, to be completely honest. Like, cold traffic should go from 10 to 50, 50 to 100, like, like beyond. But the real reality is I'm going to cold traffic is people just have a desire to be wealthy. And I got to convince them that this is the thing. It's a bigger gap. So we're not going to get too deep into here, but this is like, as your company's growing, this is where we're getting ClickFunnels now. Is like, we've, we have been like fishing out of as many places here as we can. Now it's looking like, how do we make our message resonate more with cold people who are just wanting to get wealthy? Okay, and it's a harder argument, different language patterns, stuff like that. But for right now, this is the known, the known markets, the submarkets and the niches. These are all of the different ponds of people congregating together that are my dream people. Okay, I told you guys the story earlier about, um, about wrestling. If I was selling wrestling products, I'm thinking, where are these people congregating? Okay, where are they congregating? Where are they congregating? For me, I knew the mat.com, all the wrestlers are there. Right now, trackwrestling.com is where the wrestlers are at. Flow Wrestling is where the wrestlers are at. If I was selling wrestling products, I know all the congregations the wrestlers are currently in. Okay? If I'm selling internet markets, if I'm selling uh, weight loss, if like wherever you're at, like, you need to be hyper aware of all these different things. I had somebody join one of our coaching programs probably three or four years ago, and they um, wanted to be a real estate guru. And I still remember they came to me and they're like, Russell, this is a cool thing. I figured out this thing is amazing. What we do, we get houses and we buy them for really cheap and then we flip them and we make a profit in the middle. I was like, wait, what? Like that, like that's called house flipping. That's, that's like a, a lot of people do that. He's like, no, it's like we made this up. I'm like, no, no, you didn't make it up. That's like a thing that's been around for a long, long time. And I was like, okay, well, whatever. Like, you can still sell. But I'm like, okay, so who are the people? Like, tell me about the market. Who are all the different people that are, they're currently buying from? And he's like, I don't know. I'm like, <clears throat> he's like, what do you mean? I'm like, like for example, um, like the other people who are already selling this audience, like Robert Kiyosaki, like he's selling your audience. He's like, who's Robert Kiyosaki? I was like, what? You're selling real estate. You don't know who Robert Kiyosaki is. Are you kidding me? You're Donald Trump. He's the president now. Like, same thing. Like, doesn't make any sense to me, right? Okay. He had no idea. I was like, name me off. Like, and I happen to know the real estate market. I was like, name off probably 30 guru friends I have, the real estate gurus. I'll talk about this and didn't know any of them. Like how in the world are you supposed to be successful if you have no idea where your customers are currently at? Like what is, what's being said to them? What's being told to them? What's happening over here? I need to be hyper aware of that because if I'm going to convince them that my vehicle is better, I got to know what their vehicle is, right? I have to understand passionately and intimately exactly what they're currently doing to try to get to the top of their mountain, to try to get their result. Because if I don't know what's happening, I can't I can't help them. I can't move them away from it, right? So for you guys, it's becoming understanding exactly like where are, where are these congregations that people are currently at? Where are they hiding at? Where are, there, where are your people right now? Okay? So we did the first versions exercise earlier today. This is the deeper level, level deep now, okay? So for the interruption, I want you guys thinking about this. We're going to take a, a few minutes here in a minute. Um, and it's going to be a two-part exercise. I'm going to have you guys spend probably three minutes. I want you thinking about this first question, which is the business that you're in or the business you want to be in, how do, you, how do you create this to where it is your own category? Where I am the category king of sales funnels. I am the category king of weight loss for women. I am the category king of whatever your thing is, right? I want you to make a phrase. I am the category king of this. And I want to make sure that as you, as you figure out what that is, there's no other current category kings you have to dethrone or behead to get there, right? That's the long path. What is it that you have that you could be unique? What could you be the category king of? Let's do that exercise first, and then we're going to come back here into the red ponds here in a second, okay? So spend three minutes and write that out. I am the category king of blank and figure out what that could possibly be for your business. And go. Maybe you left your mark. Money made to forget. It doesn't matter where you are. You can keep my regret. Baby, I got these scars. Reminded me to forget Reminded me I got these scars Get your love Keep 
I know I gave you three minutes. This is not a process that takes three minutes to figure out how you're going to be the category king of a brand new market and change the world, right? Okay, I want you guys to start the process of thinking so when we exit this experience in your home, your hotel rooms tonight, or on the plane tomorrow, over the next week or month, you're thinking about these concepts, right? Because if you can dial that in and you can nail that, it's huge, okay? It sets you apart from everybody else. Um, in fact, it's interesting. You think about the big brands, right? Like Kleenex was a brand that became the name of the thing, Levi's were a brand that became the name of the thing. I get people in every city I speak and conduct me like, ah, I'm trying to build a click funnel. I'm like, oh, a cell phone or a click funnel? Like we're becoming the thing, right? And if you define it and you categorize it and you become the thing um, and they start calling you the thing, that's even better. So kind of fun. All right. Okay, the next transition I want, I want to talk about for a minute. Um, so we've talked about this, right? You've got to talk about category king. Now, as you're defining and, and, and like figuring out this is you, this is your blue ocean, you are the category king, now your job is to look back, like we said, and start looking back here. These are your customers. This is who you are serving. And your job is to start pulling people back in. Um, I want Stephen to share a real quick story. I'll throw you the box on this one. Um, about one of our clients we were working with, uh, one of our fat events or something like that, that 
kind of, we talked about this part of it, and we started talking about this, got stuck, and Stephen had a really good Stephenism. <laughs> so in college, right, um, I, was, I was taught that I needed to come up with a product that was completely brand new, right? Totally prolific, something no one's ever seen before. And like, that's some risky crap, right? In, in reality, that's not actually how the game is played, you know? Um, I was, uh, it was during, a, it was one of the Funnel Hackathon events. How many guys have been to one? So I know, yeah, my people, yeah. what's up? Awesome. <laughs> and it was during a break. And uh, at the break, um, somebody came up, I can't remember the name. Um, somebody came up and said, hey, Stephen, I got this sweet idea. We all have tons of million, you know, millions of ideas. He said, I got this sweet idea is, let me tell you the idea. And he told me the idea and all these different pieces behind it. And he said, he said, do you think that's a good idea? How many guys have said that phrase ever? <laughs> right, like crazy. And I said, well, first of all, am I your target market? And he said, no. I was like, so first of all, why do you care what I say? Second of all, um, what's the red ocean that you're stemming out of? Like, what are you coming, what's the one step you're taking away from? What's the red ocean you're taking one step out of? And he goes, I don't know. And I said, that's the riskiest idea I've ever heard in my entire life. Scene. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> drop the mic. Oh, it's not as powerful to drop the mic that bounces. Like, oh, well, all right. Um, okay, so that's what we're going to think about now. If you don't know this part of it, it's like he said, it's the riskiest business you've ever been in. You're coming from something, right? There's a core desire you're trying to serve for somebody, okay? I keep doing this thing where I like point to this invisible mountain. You guys probably have no idea what I'm talking about. In my head, what I'm visualizing is like there's this mountain up here, and the top of the mountain is, is the result that you are going to get for somebody, right? And they're down here in this little vehicle. Here's their car, and, and they're going up here, right? So they're in this vehicle, and they're trying to get up the top. And so all these submarkets are all the vehicles, all the people they're following, all the things they believe, all the groups, there are all these things that they're trying to do to get this result, which fulfills the desire they actually want, okay? So for me, it's coming back saying, okay, here's all the different ways they're doing that. These are all the places I'm going to be fishing out, all the, people, all the places I'm going to be grabbing my customers from and moving them over here. So now to be able to understand this, we have to define this thing and really, 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 really understand it. So for this exercise, what you guys want to start, I want you guys starting to do right now is figure out for your business... You're going to figure out if your health, wealth, or relationship, okay? So on the very top of your paper, write down if your health, wealth, like whatever you're right now, write that down. Say, I am in health, or I'm in wealth, I'm in relationship. Whatever your sales message is focused on, which one of these three are you, okay? And then for the next three minutes, what I want you to do is underneath that is say, okay, inside of wealth, what are all of the sub-markets that I can dream of that are in the wealth category? All the sub-markets in the relationship or in the health. Okay, I'll do this on the top of my head. So in relationships, you've got dating, couples, um, uh, dating, you know, like, man, I'm really bad at this. There's dating, there's marriage, parenting. Um, yeah, a relation, like uh, interpersonal relationship skills, leadership skills, like all these things in relationships, right? Health could be weight loss, weight gain, keto, like um, uh, losing weight, um, feeling better, healthy skin, like all those things, right? And then, so that's all the submarkets. So this is many submarkets you can dream of. And then, and then the one that's closest to what the thing is you're selling, then break down right, all the sub-niches. So if you're real estate, then write down house flipping, website, uh, wholesaling, uh, short sales, like all the, as many things as you can. So I want you to get as close to, um, to your actual product as possible that you're going to become the category king with, okay? So basically, we have three minutes again. Write down your, your, uh, your core desire, all of the sub-markets you can think of underneath that core desire, and then the one that's closest to you, all of the niches within that sub-market. Sound good? Ready, Go. And no, you ain't no friend of mine There'll be no more tears for you now You see, I'm moving on fast Finally got the past to go leave this pain behind You got deep, babe But you don't see, and you don't care And you don't bleed You blow my mind like dynamite You go 
Seconds, keep riding, keep riding, 40 more seconds. quick thing and I'm going to switch to the next piece of this. Um, uh, there's a concept that if you read the extra secret, we talk about opportunity switching, right? We talked about it a little earlier today as well. Um, your job really is like, when you figure out here, these are all the opportunities people are currently in to try to get this, this, uh, this desire that your product also fulfills for them. Um, what your job is, well, this whole thing is you're pulling someone over is what we call an opportunity switch, right? It's opportunity switch. And um, in the slide of the future, I have this little, this little um, bridge I drew. It's like a bridge, right? It's opportunity switch bridge. I'm taking from here into my new opportunity. So I want to kind of put that in this image here because we're going to show it in like two slides as well. And I want to make more sense. But that's the job. Is Our job is to go in these red oceans, find the people who have the core desire that we solve, finding them, convincing them that our vehicle is better, and then give them an opportunity to switch into our category so we can serve them at the highest level. Okay? All right. So next thing I want to go into, the next phase of this um, is a concept we call the Dream 100. How many of you guys have heard me or Dana Derek talk about the Dream 100 at least once? All right. How many of you guys are actively doing the Dream 100 inside your business? <laughs> it went from like 100% to like 8%. All right. Good. That means I have something to talk about. So, as Russ, I heard this before. Well, I'm going to keep saying it until you do it. All right. So the story behind the Dream 100. So I learned this concept initially from my friend, um, Chet Holmes. And Chet passed away a couple years ago. But I had a, an amazing um, experience with him three or four times. Had a chance to hang out with him at Tony Robbins Resort in Fiji and like do business together and figure some stuff out. Um, and Chet was an amazing business strategic guy. Um, but of everything I learned from Chet, the one that had the biggest impact on me and our company is definitely his concept of the Dream 100. And so I met Chet the very first time and we were talking about this stuff. He had a book in his, a chapter in his book. The book's called The Ultimate Sales Machine, which... 
Um, have, have you guys gotten that yet? Oh, it's coming. You may all be having a box of that coming in the mail in the near future. So anyway, is it okay if we over deliver? You guys okay with that? Okay. Good. Um, but scroll to that chapter when you get it and just read the Dream 100 because it's amazing. So in that chapter, he talks about is um, when Chet was um, going through his career, he worked for a guy named Charlie Munger, who's a billionaire. And he worked for one of the bra- magazine branches that Charlie ran. And the magazine at the time was the lowest in the industry. Like there's like, I don't know, 20 magazines in the industry. They were number the 20, like the bottom of the ladder, right? So Charlie brought Chet and was like, hey, you're a magic marketing guru. Make us number one. Chet's like, all right, I'll do my magic. So he looked at that. And he's like, okay. Um, and, and they were trying all sorts of stuff to sell more ads. And Chet said, you know what? If you look at all the, the magazines in our category, who are the people that are buying the most ads? Let's like make a list of those people. And went from number one, number two, and went through all of them and said, okay, these are, if you look at everyone, these are the, the like 90% of the ads are bought by these 10 or 20 or 30, how many, how many companies, right? So he made a list and he called it Dream 100 List because all the companies who spend most of the advertising budget in their market. And he took that list and he started a pig-headed discipline campaign. The book was initially supposed to be called Pig-Headed Discipline, but his publisher hated the name, so he changed it to The Ultimate Sales Machine. But if you read the book, he says Pig-Headed Discipline like 500 times because that was the title as he was writing the book. Um, and he said, at that point forward, I got my Dream 100 list. And then with Pig-Headed Discipline, I messaged them every, uh, every uh, month. I would send them a package in the mail with something. Two weeks later, I'd call them on the phone. Then two weeks later, I'd send something in the mail. Two weeks later, I'd call them on the phone. With pig-headed discipline, I did that every two weeks. I either send them a package or call them on the phone. Send them a package or call them on the phone. Said so in the first six months, guess what happened? Nothing. We didn't sell anybody. Nobody shifted. But then a little bit later, the first person came to us, and the second person, and the third person. Within like a year, year and a half, they went from being the number 20th magazine to the number one by a pig-headed discipline focusing on his Dream 100. Um, Chet then took that same strategy. He um, he wrote a screenplay for a movie and he wanted to do it. And he's like, I don't know anyone in Hollywood. I've never done this before. I'm going to do the same strategy. He's like, I'm going to go and get a, um, a list of all of the people that could make my screenplay become a movie. Who are the actors, the directors, the people that actually can make this happen? He built a Dream 100 campaign. And then with pig-headed discipline, he started actively and aggressively marketing to these 100 people. He'd send them the script in the mail and then he'd call them on the phone and send them something else and call them on the phone and did this until somebody picked up his thing and they turned it into a movie and um, kind of cool. So... The way that Chet did it was like a very one-on-one experience. He was trying to sell this person a thing. And to this day, if I get any clients coming, like I'm selling a $100,000 thing or a million-dollar thing, I'm like, just do the Dream 100 the way that Chet said it because it's, it's amazing if, trying to, if, you, if you can focus that much time. If you're selling something for $100,000 or a million dollars, you can spend two, three, four thousand dollars $4,000 to get a customer, right? So like that's the strategy. But for a lot of us, we're not selling something where like one customer is not going to, it's hard to justify me sending a package in the mail and then buy a free plus shipping book, Right? Very quickly, I run out of money. So when I started, look, he taught me that concept, like, how does that relate to me? How does it relate to our kind of a business? And I was like, wait a minute. What if I started looking at all of these different people here and I started doing Dream 100 campaigns to them? Because this, this community, this group, this per- person might have a thousand or 10,000 or a hundred thousand or a million people on their list. What if I started marketing to those people? And if I get them to say yes, one yes could turn into a hundred customers or a thousand customers or more right? And so we started building these, these uh, Dream 100 campaigns to the influencers, to the people that had my dream customers already on their lists. We started aggressively marketing to them. So that's kind of the concept behind the Dream 100. And the Dream 100 is going to become the foundation for most of what we talk about over the next day and a half inside the, inside the Dream 100, because, or excuse me, inside of Traffic Secrets. Because again, I told you guys this earlier, like we don't have to go and create traffic. It's already there, right? I know for my audience, I know Tony Robbins already has 3.3 million people on his fan page. I know Gary Vaynerchuk's got like what, 3.4. I know, um, I know Grant Cardone. I know, like, I know all the people that have my dream customers. So why do I go try to reinvent the wheel? 
Let me just go and figure out how in the world can I serve Grant Cardone? What can I do to him to get him to say yes, right? Grant Cardone was one person in our dream 100 two years ago, right? Since then, guess what's happened? Well, last month I flew on his private plane, which was insanely cool. We built him a funnel of 50,000 feet in the air, and we're about to launch that funnel. Um, uh, two years ago, I spoke in front of 2,000 people in his audience, uh, sold a million dollars, like a half million dollar check. Next year, I sold in front of 9,000 people, got, sold $3 million, got a one and a half million dollar check. And uh, in February, I'm speaking in front of 35,000 people with a goal of selling $10 million in 90 minutes. How many of you guys want to come to that, by the way? Yes. We may or may not have tickets for some of you guys who are cool, but we'll see. Um, <laughs> But that was one Dream 100, right? How much money could I invested in Grant Cardone to get him to say yes? I mean, I'm, I'm net in my pocket a couple million bucks now from that one relationship, right? And probably more than that if you look at the exposure and the, all the B-roll and the other stuff that came from it, right? Um, that's one person. Um, when we launched the dot-com secrets book, we did this exercise I'm about to go through with you guys. And I was like, okay, who are all the, who are all the Facebook influencers that have my dream customers? Who are all the uh, Instagram? Who are all of the Pinterest? Who are all of the podcasters? We had a list of like 30 or 40 podcasters who already had my dream customers listening to them. So we started aggressively marketing to the podcasters who already had the big followings, right? And uh, we sent out these Dream 100 packages and a bunch of gifts and things like that. And one of them went to John Lee Dumas who got the book in the mail. He read it. He's like, this book's awesome. I'd never met John before that day. Uh, he calls me on the phone. like, dude, your book is actually really good. I'm like, thank you. He's like, can I promote it? I'm like, yes. And then uh, he did a podcast and he sent much emails. And he, sent, he sold like four or 500 copies of the dot-com secrets book, which is millions of dollars in revenue over the last four or five years from those customers brought in. Expert secrets did the same thing um, and, uh, and on. But that one Dream 100, that relationship has been worth millions of dollars to me because of, because of one thing we sent out. Okay. And uh, a, cu- a couple caveats before we get too deep into this. Um, one of the misconceptions of the Dream 100, people think that um, the Dream 100 means you have to send a package some in the mail and, and that's it, right? Like that's a, a strategy, but that's not, that's not the whole thing. Dream 100 is not just let me make a box and send it to them in the mail. That's a good strategy. But the Dream 100 is about building relationships, right? Um, when I met Tony Robbins the first time, it's been a little over a decade now, um, I could have done what almost everybody does and be like, Tony Robbins, you're amazing. Can you promote my, my new thing? And what sort of happened? Trying to be like, great, Russell's like everybody else and will just push me away. But instead, I was like, oh my gosh, I meet Tony Robbins. Don't be a doofus. Don't be a doofus. Don't be a doofus, right? And so I'm like trying to be all cool. I'm like, hey man, how's it going? How can I serve you? How can I help you? What can I do? And for 10 years of my life, I did everything in my power to help Tony. I spoke at his events. I did funnels for him. I worked my butt off every single time. Anyone on his team's like, hey, Tony's got a question. Can you answer questions for three hours? Sure, why not? Like anything I did, I served and I put in time and energy and effort into that relationship, right? Never asking for anything in return. Ten years later, I was like, okay, um, I've got this book. Tony came out. It's called Expert Secrets. It kind of fits with your brand. Like, would you be willing to do a Facebook Live interview? He's like, yes. For you, Russell, I will. We did an interview, and 3.3 million people end up seeing that interview on his fan page because um, I put in the time ahead of time. So don't think it's just randomly sending a box and then hiding. That can be a part of the strategy, but it's building actual legitimate relationships with people, okay? Putting in the time, putting in the energy, um, uh, that's, that's really the, when it all comes down, that's the actual key. Okay. So the exercise I want you guys to do with me is I want us, I want everyone to start building out their dream 100 list. How many of you guys have actually done this and actually build out dream 100 list? Have you guys heard me talk about it like 20 times? You're like, ah, someday I'll do that. And then you forget about it. Thank you for being honest, my honest friends. So this is how we break up our dream 100. In fact, um, we literally have an Excel sheet in our office. It looks like this. And there's a tab for each major platform. 
And then, uh, and then Dave and Miles and me, we sit down, we brainstorm. And as we find cool people, as I'm on Instagram searching through stuff and I see someone amazing, I'm like, oh my gosh, this person be awesome. I send it to Dave or to Miles. They add it to the spreadsheet. And then we start building relationships with them. How can we help them? How can we serve them? What can we do? Sometimes it's in a package. Sometimes we just call them on the thing. Sometimes we buy their product and then call them, hey, man, I bought your product. This is amazing. Like just little bits of service to make them know who I am. Sometimes it's just following them. Like guess how I knew who Stephen Larson was? This is amazing. Uh, every single time I posted anything, the very first person to comment was Stephen. And he's got these big old eyes. He's like, ah! And I'm like, I'm seeing his face over and over and over again. The first time I met him, I was like, how do I know you? And I'm like, I don't, you look so familiar. And he's like, ah, and, and I'm meeting. And then like, it was after he started working for us. I think we went back. It was the, it was, um, the, uh, the funnel. It was um, uh, the Extreme Funnel Makeover Funnel. And the first video was about uh, backpack. And the very first comment I saw was Stephen tagged, ta- and like, and I was like, oh, you're the dude who made that comment. I like, saw you every, and I, and I put it all together. Like I knew who he was because he was always actively engaged. Okay. I know some of you guys, you respond to every Instagram I send out. I know you intimately because of that, right? Like, so like, I know people in this room because of how, yes, I know you, like, I know faces because not because you're hiding behind the thing, but because you guys are reaching back out to me, you're commenting, you're providing value to me in different ways, right? Like everyone's got different things. For me, providing value is just like saying, dude, that was awesome. Good job over here. Like things like that can provide value to me. And I know exactly who you are. I was sitting in the back of the car with Tom Bilibu. Do you guys know who that is? He's the founder of Quest, uh, a billion-dollar valuation for his company, Quest, like Quest Bars and stuff like that. And I'm sitting in the back of it, and all of a sudden, and I'm like Instagramming like everything because I'm a dork, and like, "Eh." and I'm Instagramming him, and all of a sudden, uh, Natalie Hodson, you guys remember Natalie from Fun Lacking Live? She's amazing. Um, All of a sudden, like, Tom reaches over, and he's like, he's like, you know this girl? And I look over, and it's Natalie, and I'm like, yeah, I know it. And she's like, I saw you hanging out with Russell. Just want to tell him hi. And then I was like, how do you know Natalie? Like, you're the owner of a billion-dollar supplement company. Like, how do you know Natalie? She's like, oh, she comments on everything I do on social media and tells me how great I am. I'm like, that's a really good strategy. The, a, a, the owner of a billion-dollar supplement company knows exactly who you are because you comment on every one of his posts, right? It's the little things. It's not always just sending a box. It's how do you connect with people? How do you do those kind of things, right? And so my Dream 100, I'm buying their products. I'm commenting. I'm telling me how great their things are. The reason why Stu McLaren and I have been partners for 12 years now because 12 years ago, I launched a course called Affiliate Bootcamp. Stu McLaren bought it. Every single call Stu McLaren was on, every single call he asked a question, every single time it was over, he sent me an email telling me how great my training was. He probably didn't listen to any of them, but man, I love Stu McLaren. Like, he makes me feel so good about myself. And then one day, a year and a half later, Stu and I were at an event sitting together, and Stu's like, hey, Russell. I'm like, yeah. He's like, do you want to do a partnership together? I'm like, yes, because you're awesome, right? And we did a partnership together that's now lasted, man, 10, 12 years. We're about to launch a new software company together which may be tied into traffic secrets or may not. We'll talk about that in the future. But there may be software that makes this process really easy coming out in the near future. And it's because like 12 years ago, Stu bought my products and commented on what I was doing, right? I'm intimately connected with my Dream 100. I know what all of them do at any given time. Because if I walk up to Tony Robbins in the middle of, of and I see him, I have my shot, I don't want to be like, hey man, what's up? He's like, you don't know what's up with my life? Like, I want to be able to be like, hey, man, how was Fiji? Oh, I saw you in Fiji last week. Like, oh, cool. Like, I want to make sure that I understand what's happening. People are like, Russell, what are you doing on social media all day? I'm not commenting. I'm not posting. I'm following all my Dream 100. I'm watching what they're doing and figure out how can I provide value. What can I do? How can I serve this per- person? Like, I'm looking for those things because that's the connection points. Okay? I'm always looking, always watching, trying to figure out what's happening. Okay? So I, I just want to put that out because everyone keeps thinking – um, it's just sending out a box. And that's a piece, that can be a piece of it, but it's not the whole strategy. It's actually legitimately caring about these people. Because if you actually care about them, it's like, how do I actually serve their audience? How can what I do help these people? And when you look at it that way, it changes the whole perspective, right? One of the most powerful things, you guys know Sean Stevenson? 
Sean's the three feet giant. He spoke at Second Funnel Hacking Live, oh, like one of the most amazing people ever. Um, after the event, like six, seven months later, he called me on the phone one day, and we're hanging out talking, and just he's making fun of me like he does. Um, in fact, we have a Funnel Hacker TV episode coming out that Brandon's been working on. That uh, if you were, who had the Funnel Hacking Live that he spoke at? It was so funny. He was like, hey, Russell, I need you to sit in the very front row. I'm like, but I want to sit in the back and hide. He's like, no, I need you to be in the front row. I'm like, all right. So I sat in the front row. And the first, like, 25 minutes of his presentation, right, he made fun of me in front of everybody. And everybody laughed. It was hilarious. Um, and got instant rapport with, with me and with the audience. It was really cool. Um, anyway, so I'm on the phone. Sean's making fun of me. And after he gets done, he asked me this question. It was so powerful. He said, what is he working on right now, Russell? I was like, oh, I'm actually doing work on this uh, thing called Funnel Hacker TV where we're finding cool people and building funnels with them and trying to show it, and then they can talk about it on their thing. He's like, oh, cool. Hey, is there any way I can help support that? I'm like, Duke, we build a funnel for you? Said, That'd be amazing. And all of a sudden, like a week later, me and Brandon are flying to uh, here. He lives here somewhere. And like we're building funnels for him. Yeah, and everything. Um, but it came off of him asking this question. What is it you're working on right now? Okay, I can tell you this from a decade and a half of doing this. The question that most people ask me is not that. Most of them say, hey, Russell, let me tell you, you can help me. Like, okay, thank you. Sean came to me saying, what do you work, like, what's important to you right now? And I told him, and he's like, okay, how can I help serve Russell and his audience at a better level? Like, what is that thing? That's the question. That's the question that gets me thinking like, oh, this guy's awesome. How can I help him? What can I actually do? Right? He finds out what's important to me and then weave it in. Okay, if I went to Tony Robbins and I'm like, hey, Tony, I got, this is what's important to me. Can you help me? He's like, no. Like, Tony, what's important to you is like, I got this business mastery. I'm trying to help people. I have this big event coming up. Like, cool, can I help at all? Would you like to come speak? Like, dude, that'd be awesome. I'd love to come speak, right? How can I serve them, okay? So think about that from your dream 100. Stop being selfish about it. Flip it around. It's like, what are they actually doing? What do they care about? And if you can tie what you're doing into that, that's when you get deals to happen. That's when people care about you. That's when promotions happen. All those other magical things start happening, okay? All right. So what I'm going to use right now, we're going to do this um, one minute at a time. I know you guys don't have la- everyone doesn't have laptops, so it might be not super easy. Um, but I'm going to start the process now so that tonight and over this weekend you guys can actually fill, finish filling this out, okay? So what I want you to do is I want you to start thinking through this platform by platform. Each platform I want you to start listing out. So I'm going to, do, we're, I'm going to give you a minute on the clock and write Facebook and think about everyone that you know who's big on Facebook that could be part of your Dream 100. And one thing I want to stress, this is the one mistake that we made um, during the Expert Secrets launch, is I was assuming that every we were doing everything cross-platform at the time, right? So if someone had a big email list, I was trying to do a Facebook Live with them. People had a big podcast list, I was trying to do a Facebook Live with them. And I realized that John Lee Dumas has a huge email audience and a big podcast, but maybe not big on Facebook, right? Or Jason Flatland's got a huge email list, but he's got like three people to follow him on Instagram, right? And so like, I was trying to get people to do things that they weren't their native platform. So like, after that, we shifted our Dream 100 where we have a tab for each platform. And I'm only doing stuff on Facebook, people who are interested in Facebook. I'm only doing stuff on Instagram, people who are big on Instagram. I'm only doing podcasts with podcasters, right? You want to go where their audience actually is, okay? So don't think because they're a big name that they're big in all platforms. They're probably not. They're probably big on one, maybe two, okay? So right now, when you think about, start thinking through this, is who is your dreamer? Who are the people that already have your dream, uh, your dream customers already on a list, already congregated for you? If you could build a relationship with that person, it would unlock all of their customers to you for free, okay? So start on Facebook. We're going to give you one minute. And as fast as you can, anybody you know who's got a big Facebook following, start writing their names down as many as you can in the next one minute. Ready? Go. All they take is one flight. We'd be in the same time zone Looking through your timeline Seeing all the rainbows I, I got an idea And I know that it sounds crazy I just want to see you Oh, I gotta ask that you got plans tonight I'm a couple hundred miles from Japan tonight I was thinking I could fly to your hotel tonight 
30 seconds, keep going, halfway there, 30 seconds. Can't get you off my mind, can't get you off my mind. I can feel the tension, we can cut it with a knife. I know it's more than just a friendship. I can hear you thinking right, yeah. Do I gotta convince you that you shouldn't fall asleep? 10 seconds. Be a couple hours, and I'm about to leave. Do you got plans tonight? I'm a couple hundred miles from Japan and All right. Okay, break. All right, we started the process. I don't know why it's the end. Now, some of you guys, how many of you guys that was really easy and you're like, I know exactly who my people are on Facebook? How many of you guys struggle with that a little bit? Okay, it's hard sometimes. Most of you guys have been goofing off on Facebook doing whatever. You have no idea. I only, my only goal on Facebook is to stock my dream 100, right? Make that your goal. Then it becomes useful. You're like, I'm scrolling. I'm doing my homework. Russell said I have to, right? Okay, don't just go to goof off. Like, this is a chance to follow your dream 100, figure out who those people are, Okay. My guess is if it, was, if it was easy for you, it means Facebook is probably the platform you're biggest on as well. That's my guess. Okay, what's interesting is like whatever platform you're really good at or you naturally gravitate towards, this will be easier. Some are going to be really, really hard for you, okay? Like if you're like a big-time podcaster and you love podcasts, it's going to be really easy. Um, but if you don't listen to podcasts, that one's going to be really, really hard, right? Okay, this gives you a reason to start kind of diving into each of these different platforms and start looking because like your dream customers are hanging out talking about your about talking about what you can do and if you got to figure out how to get them, okay? All right, so call number two, Instagram. How many of you guys here like Instagram? Okay, we spend one minute. I want to go through every Instagram influencer you know who has your dream customer already in their following that you want to do a deal with. Okay, ready? Go. Because I can't get you off my mind. Can't get you off my mind. Can't get you off my mind. Did you got plans tonight? I was hoping I could get lost in your paradise. The only thing I'm thinking about is you and I Cause I can't get you off my mind Can't get you off my mind I can't seem to get you off my mind Let's get lost tonight Let's get lost tonight What if he says no? I can't seem to get you off my mind Let's get lost tonight Let's get lost tonight Fifteen seconds, finish writing. Fifteen seconds. Do you got plans tonight? I'm a couple hundred miles from Japan tonight. I was thinking I could. All right, break. Okay, a couple things we're doing this exercise. I want, I want to bring up, and uh, Julian John kind of brought this up as a good point. A lot of times we think, like, I just have to get the one person. Like they said, Stephen said, I'm the one person in my dream 100 list is just Russell. Like, okay, what if Russell says no? Oh, no, I'm screwed, right? Um, so while I appreciate that, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Failure is not an option. Um, what you want to think about is sometimes, like, the biggest people aren't always the best. The, the best. In fact, during the Expert Secrets book launch, was interesting. Um, did you, Julie, did you end up beating Tony out? So Julie actually beat Tony Robbins out in book sales. Is that amazing? At the time, how many people-ish were on your list? Uh, She had 9,000 people on her list at the time, okay? So a lot of times the micro-influencers are way more powerful than big ones because they have a better relationship with their audience. I know this because Julie would like tell her people like, hey guys, everyone buy a book and then have your friends buy a book. And she had, I'm sure, people on her list who were like out door to door knocking like, hey, here's a laptop, can you buy this book real quick? Next person, because they love her so much, right? So don't think it has to be the biggest person in the world. And those people are a lot harder to get. Like Tony Robbins, I had a date for 10 years before he said yes, right? And so if I would have banked everything on a 10-year relationship, I would have been broke. 
Okay? So don't think it has to be the biggest thing. You're like, who are the people that have audiences? Even 9,000 person audience can sell a crap ton of books. Okay? It can build your business. I mean, Julie's company nets over a million bucks a year with that customer list, right? So it doesn't have to be insanely big. It just has to be like the right people. Okay? All right. Number three, let's move on to podcasts. If you have no idea, just go open the iTunes podcast directory, go to your category and start listing them out as fast as you can go. Okay. Okay. You got one minute, all the podcasts that already have your dream customers listening to them. Ready, go. I can't get you off my mind till you got plans in my bed. I was hoping I could get lost in your paradise. The only thing I'm thinking about is you and I. And I can't get you off my mind. Can't get you off my mind. I can't seem to get you off my Five seconds. All right, ready, break. Okay, next channel we're going to go dive into is YouTube. How many guys are obsessed with YouTube and you spend half your day on YouTube? A few of you guys? All right. Um, now, YouTube and other platforms, John brought something really, really good. It's cool about YouTube. Let's say you only know like two or three people, right? If you follow them, what's cool about it is you can go like, let's say you follow me. Then you can be like, who are the people that Russell actually follows? And it'll show them like Russell follows these people. And then you can start digging deeper and deeper and deeper. Okay. And then who do those people follow? And so as you, as you do this exercise at home in your hotel room tonight or whenever, um, this starts, again, I wanted to start this process. You're starting the motion. Something about starting momentum that's easier to keep going. So you start the motion. When you get online, you start digging deeper and deeper and deeper. Like, well, who do they listen to? And who do they listen to? And you start building these lists really, really quickly. Okay. So think about YouTube. Who has the big YouTube channels that already have all of your dream customers on a YouTube channel? If you could somehow just jump in front of those people, it would be amazing because you could get those people and save them from whoever they're listening to. Okay, we'll give you one minute. As many different YouTube channels as you know that you can think of. Ready, go. And after all those years of pacing, all the colors are still fading into you. The lights are getting darker while our bond is getting stronger, and the night becomes much longer with you. All right, ready, break. Okay, next one. Who has the big email list in your market? Okay, what list are you subscribed to? Like, man, this person's got 1,000 or 10,000 or 100,000 or a million people on their email list. They send an email about my product or my service. Overnight, I could get 1,000, 10,000, 50,000 people show on my website. Who are the big list owners? Have big email lists inside of your market that already have all your dream customers sitting there waiting for you on a huge email list. 
got one minute to write down as many as you can think of. Ready? Go. Five seconds. All right, ready, break. Okay, next one. Who are the bloggers in your market? Who are the bloggers that are blogging about your topic right now that already have readers that are listening to what they're saying every single day where somehow you get them to blog about you or talk about you in the blog would instantly send thousands of people into your funnels? Who are the bloggers right now that already have your dream customers as readers? Okay, you've got one minute to write down as many as you can do. Ready, set, go. Five seconds. All right, ready, break. All right, there are other social platforms that are interest-based. These are the core ones that we focus on. In the future, there'll be new ones that come and go. Some of these will be, dis- be destroyed. I would have had MySpace on this 10 years ago, right? You guys understand the process, right? This doesn't matter what the platform is. It's the concept. Who already has my dream customers? I just got to figure out how to get in front of them, okay? Now, I want to shift from interest to search. I want you guys thinking about this a little bit differently, okay? Um, so for Google search, for example, we talked about this earlier today. We typed in keywords like work from home, make money, things like that. And some people are like, well, how do you dream 100 on Google, right? So uh, this is my goal. This is shift your thinking just a little bit. If I can shift your thinking just a little bit, it's going to open up some huge doors for you, okay? Um, back in the day uh, when we were trying to get... Um, back when we were like, more in the business opportunity space, we were focusing on like how to make money online, work from home, things like that. What I would do is I would go to Google, I type in work from home, and I find out who are the people that already rank for work at home. Because getting ranked on page number one for work at home is not easy. Getting ranked number one for uh, weight loss is not easy. Getting ranked for those terms is really, really hard. But guess what? Somebody's already ranked there. What if those people became my dream 100? So I did one that I typed in work from home. This is like my number one keyword back at the time. Almost impossible to get. I think clicks, uh, like PPC clicks were like five or six dollars per click back then for that keyword. I'm like, this is impossible to get. But these people already are there. 
So I went and I typed more Oklahoma, looked at the top 10 searches. I went to each person's page and guess what I found out? Almost every single page was not made by really good companies. They were made by really good marketers and really good SEO. And guess the people who are really good at SEO are really bad at? Selling stuff. So I said, hey man, you're ranked number one for work at home. They're like, I know. I'm like, how much money do you make? They're like, not that much. I'm like, how would you like to make a ton of money? They're like, how? I'm like, I will give you pay. I will give you money. All you do is put this little code on your site. And every time someone comes to the page, it's going to pop up and say, join Russell's money-making email list. And when they give me the email address, I will give you a dollar for every single person who gives me the email address. Like, you give me a dollar for every email address? I'm like, yes. They're like, are you serious? I'm like, yes. I'm like, okay. And I got all these people to put my pop-ups on their pages. And all of a sudden, instantly, not only was I ranked on page number one in Google for every keyword I could dream of, it was like even better because like someone would, they typed work from home, they clicked on the link, then it's like, it was like three or four levels deep. So I was just getting the cream of the crop. I wasn't paying for the click. I wasn't paying for the thing. I didn't do the work to get in. I was just finding people who were already ranked there and then I targeted them. Same thing happened in YouTube, right? I found the videos I wish that I had. I go there half the time, they're horrible videos. And I found these little dorky kids who made videos that, that I would have dreamt. I would have like given my right arm to have the video on the spot. I'm like, hey man, I'll give you a hundred bucks if you change the description link from that crap you have there to my link to my website. Like a hundred bucks? I'm like, yes. Okay. Boom. All of a sudden my link is on the number one ranked video because I, I personally came my dream 100. Right? See, so I want you guys just shifting your thinking just a little bit. You don't have to go and like do the work to get there. Like find out who already did the work and how do we dream 100 with those people. Okay? So spend a few minutes in Google, like coming back to what we talked about earlier, like what are the keyword phrases that you would love to find the people who already rank and make those people your dream 100? You got one minute right now for all the thing, all the keywords you can think of that, you, that your dream customers are already hitting their pages. Ready? Go. Five seconds. All right. I'm not going to do the same thing for YouTube because it's probably the same keywords of Google. You focus and target on YouTube as well, right? And I'm not going to do Pinterest because I honestly don't know how to pin things. But conceptually, are you guys understand this process? You notice how I can use this no matter what the platform, what the thing, like I said to figure out who already has my dream customers, who already has the stream of traffic in front of them. And my goal is just jump out in front of it and boom, get those customers coming into me. I'm not creating traffic. I'm figuring out where it actually already is today. Okay? Now, how many of you guys struggle with that exercise? You're like, I can't think of anybody, or I got one name, or you're like, you're struggling a little, right? If you are, it's because you're using social media the wrong way. How many of you guys are on social media because you're like talking about stuff and tweeting things and clicking on weird buttons and stuff like that, and like, like having, talking to your friends, and like, how many of you guys, that's how you're using social media? No one will admit it, because I'm teasing you. Okay? I want, you to shift your, your, I want you to shift how you're looking at these platforms, okay? All these platforms for me are is piles of customers who are self-congregating based on beliefs and values and dreams. Like, I look at this as like, this is like, 
like piles of gold. I just have to like look at these piles of gold and like, okay, like how do I, how do I tap into these piles of gold, right? If you're struggling, I'm guessing that you're, you're kind of like dabbling in a couple different platforms and kind of a little bit, right? For me, it's like I go into iTunes and I, I know who all the podcasters are and I listen to their podcasts. And so I'm listening to podcasts. People are like, what podcast are you listening to? I'm like, the ones who I know my dream customers are listening to for a couple of reasons. Like half the time, it's not because I'm trying to learn the next new thing, right? And there are very few new marketing ideas where I'm like, oh, oh my gosh, this is the brain. Like, I'm not freaking out. I'm listening because like, what is Neil Patel telling his audience? What is he saying? Why is he saying it? What's Neil caring about? What's he interested in right now? I'm listening because I need to figure out how to build a better relationship with Neil Patel. And I want to understand what he's saying to his customers. When I'm speaking to my market, I can either agree with them or disagree or whatever I need to do, right? I need, if I'm going to be able to, the person that's going to switch them from this opportunity to, to, to mine, I have to understand his customers. So I'm listening for that reason. I'm listening to Andrew Warner. I'm listening to um, Nathan Lack. I'm listening to like, all the podcasts I listen to is that. That's the reason why I'm doing it. Okay? I'm listening to a lot of them. I listen to a lot of podcasts consistently. That's why I'm listening to I can understand the person who controls that customer base. Number one, because I need to understand them. And number two, so I can understand his customer base. What are they actually needing? How can I provide value to those people? Right? So I have like 10 or 15 podcasts that I listen to religiously. I'm going through them all the time with those two things I'm looking for. Not necessarily trying to learn, listen, listen to the next greatest shiny thing. Like you guys don't need any more shiny objects, am I right? So don't try to do that. Don't listen like, oh, I got to implement every single thing to every single podcast you listen to. like, no, you're listening to say, how can I build a relationship with that human? And then the human, the people that he's serving, how can I help serve them as well? Because then we get on the call with Neil Patel, like, hey man, I love your podcast. He's like, you do? Like, I listen to every single episode. He's like, are you serious? Like, in fact, my favorite podcast was this one right here. I tell my favorite podcast, he's like, oh my gosh, Russell actually cares about me. Like, he's a super busy guy. He's actually listening to my podcast, right? And I'm like, hey man, um, you did a podcast the other day about this. Like, I think I, like, would you, I, I would love to come and like share this really cool thing about how funnels relate to SEO and how you can like tie those things together that I think your audience will love. He's like, oh my gosh, like that would be actually really cool. Like, cool, can we do that? Like, yeah, let's do next Wednesday, right? Boom, I'm in there. Andrew Warner, who, uh, Warner, who came out to um, the Mixity host, who came out to our event last week. Guess how I got Andrew to like be so excited to fly to Provo, Utah, to the Dry Bar Comedy Club. If you guys know Andrew, he's famous for his big scotch nights. He came to Provo, Utah to a dry bar. Dry bar means there's no alcohol. And he sat there for two hours interviewing me completely dry, right? How do I get somebody that excited? Okay, this is how I started listening to everyone's his podcast. I became fascinated with him. I don't like most of his guests, to be completely honest. And I told him that, like, dude, most people you interview I don't really like, but I love how you interview people. Like, it's fascinating. Like, he, the way he interviews is, like, my favorite thing in the world. And one of his podcasts, he interviewed the dude who started um, uh, the Princeton Review. This is worth everyone going, if you want to see, like, oh, okay. So Andrew's famous for, he, like, he has no holds bar. He tells the guests ahead of time, like, I'm going to interview. I'm going to ask you a bunch of awkward questions. I don't edit anything ever, no matter what. And uh, you have to play by the rules. You can't be on the podcast. I'm like, okay, so you come on, and half the time, since half his guests like come back later, you can't publish this. And like, dude, you knew the rules before we get started. Like, it's going live. And he has this like anyway. So I'm listening to this one interview he did with um, the guy who started the Princeton Review, and they're going through this thing. And then Andrew's like asking, like, why are you even do these podcasts? Like, you're like all these things. It starts getting into like, like not attacking him, but it starts getting awkward. And the guy starts getting defensive, starts fighting back and forth. It gets worse and worse. And you're like waiting for him to like steer the ship out and like end on a happy note. It gets worse and worse and worse. And then all of a sudden the guy, it got to the point where it's so bad. He's like, I'm going to interview right now. And it ends. And I'm like, oh my gosh. Like that was amazing. And so the first thing I messaged Andrew, I'm like, dude, whoa, that was amazing. Like I've never seen a more awkward interview. And I loved every second of it, dude. It was amazing. And then like four or five months later, Dave was hanging out with Andrew and um, 
And I voxed him, like, hey, dude, give Andrew the phone. He gives him the phone. He's like, dude, of every podcast I've ever heard in the history of my life, my favorite one was when you interviewed the, the Princeton Review, dude. That was the most awkward moment of my life, and I loved every second of it. Dude, that was awesome. And so Dave gave it to Andrew. He listened to it, and he could see, like, his smile on his face, like, Russell Brunson is listening to my podcast so much so that he's, like, telling me about this story and this emotional experience he had, right? Am I listening? Do I care about the sharp story of, this, of the, the Princeton Review? No, I couldn't care less. I don't even know the Princeton Review is. It's something with college that I just know it's not like my thing. But I listen to that because I'm listening for two things. What is, like, how do, I, how do I build a relationship with Andrew? How do I know when I have that shot, when I have the chance to meet him face to face, I can say something that's going to make him be interested in me? And number two is like, how can I serve that audience? Right? And then that started a friendship and another relationship. I've been on the show twice now. We've sold millions of dollars with stuff because of Andrew. He came to our thing, to the Startup Stories event last time. We're going to launch this whole funnel later on. Like, so much value came because I cared enough to listen to his interview every single time. Like, Russell, you're so busy. How do you do that? Do we all have time? How many of you guys lay in bed, like, sitting there looking at the ceiling? Like, just throw in an interview and start listening to people. If you don't like the interview, you don't listen to all of them. Just enough to understand who the person is and, who, and what they're telling their audience so you can figure out how to serve them. Okay? Um, that was a tangent. I'm trying to remember how to get back where we started. <laughs> um, okay. Oh, yeah, social media. So for all you guys, like, instead of using Facebook just to go look at cat pictures and stuff or whatever, like, go on there and be like, who are the people in my dream market that already have my following? Go and start following those people and then go start commenting on every single one. Every time they post something, go comment. Post something, go comment. Like, be engaged in them. That's all I'm doing on, on Facebook. I'm on there scrolling, looking for my people. When you start commenting, the coolest thing happens is that all the cat pictures start filtering down and they disappear. And the only people that show up in your feed are your dream 100. So I wake up with my phone. I'm like, boom, Tony said this, so-and-so said this. And then, like, within like five scrolls, I know what all my Dream 100 are doing that day. I have perfect clarity. I'm figuring out how can I serve these people? What can I do? How can I, like, what's a connection point? I can reach out to Tony Ross. Like, oh, dude, Tony, uh, this thing. And all of a sudden, it's like context and relationship. And I can do those things. I'm watching. That's why I use social media. Same thing on, on Instagram. I follow the people that are my Dream 100. Same thing on podcasts, YouTube, email list. How many of you guys are subscribed to every single person's email list in your market? If you're not, you're, you're missing something. You may be like, I don't, there'll be too many emails in my inbox. I'll be screwed. I'll have to like look at every single shiny object. It's not about like all of you guys can stop consuming stuff. Just buy my stuff, okay? <laughs> I promise we're giving you the best of the best. No, just kidding, kind of. But this is what you do. You go into Gmail and you set up a folder for every single person on your Dream 100. You then subscribe to the list and you tell when every single email comes in, put it into this folder, right? So the email's never in my inbox, but once a day I log in, I see all of my Dream 100 and I'm like, Tony sent an email, so-and-so sent an email. Look at those real quick. What do you say? What do you say? What do you say? Cool. I'm up to date with everything that's happening in their world. Now when I see Tony, like, hey, man, I saw you were in Cabo last week with Sage. It was really cool and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Russell's paying attention. Like, he's so busy and he's paying attention to me. But I have those connection points, right? You need to be subscribed. You need to be finding the bloggers, okay? Who are the bloggers in your space? You need to be reading their blog. If you don't like blogs, you still should go figure out their blogs because what in the world are these? Like, you may not like to blog, but there's an audience of people who are obsessed with blogs, right? Huge followings, insanely big followings. If you can build a relationship with a blogger and you're, in fact, you guys know how Tim Ferriss launched a four-hour work week? As he was writing it, he went to all the blogging conferences, got to all the bloggers. And like, what do you do? Like, oh, you know, I'm a writer. Like, what do you write? Oh, just stuff. And build relationships and friendships and relationships and friendships and relationships and friendships. Like a year and a half, two years, he's writing the book and he got closer to publishing. He's like, hey, you guys, all his blogging friends he'd met over the last year and a half and didn't ask for anything, just serving them. He's like, He's like, hey, um, I'm almost done with my, my first book. I sent you a, a transcript. I'd love to get your feedback on it. like, sure, man, whatever. Sends them all these things. All of them are like, this book's really, really good. Okay? Tim had no following time, no email list, no nothing. All he had was a bunch of bloggers he'd met. Before our work, we came out. Every blogger he'd spent a year and a half building a relationship with, talked about it, became New York Times bestseller overnight. 
and he became Tim Ferriss, right? Because of that. So for you guys, it's like understanding, like this is, this is, this is the magic of the world you've come into, right? There are things that are hard. The markets have gotten more complicated. That's frustrating. That's annoying. But the amazing thing is that all these congregations are already here. Your dream customers are already hanging out somewhere. You don't have to go like try to create the stuff out of thin air. It's just understanding where are they at right now. And then we'll talk about strategies, how to get in front of them. Right now, it's just identifying this is where they're at. I feel like my job in the business is to be like looking through all this stuff and looking for these, uh, these pockets of our dream customers, right? I don't know if this is actually true or not, but I read it one time. So it could be, but it might not be. But either way, it's a good analogy. So they said back in the day when people would go mine for gold, they go in a mountain and they're digging in the mountain and they're looking for gold. Because as soon as they find gold, typically gold, there's like a vein of gold that will run through the mountain, right? So they find a little gold, like, we found some gold. This is a vein of gold. And then they'll bring the excavation teams in and they will mine that, that vein of gold through the mountain and pull out millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of value from the mountain, right? It's the same thing in this business. You're on Facebook, Instagram, and you're not goofing off. You're looking around, looking for the veins of gold. Like, where that, where that, where that? Boom, I found a group with all these people. Boom, I found a, uh, a new influencer. Boom, I found this person. And each of those people is a vein of gold. If you look at that, it's like, oh my gosh, like that one connection, that one relationship can be worth a million, two millions, five million bucks to me. When you realize that, it's like, let me put some effort into that. It's worth it. Okay, so I'm always looking at who already has my dream customers. Okay, they've already got congregated. They got one more thing, and then we'll take a break here. Because um, I'm probably like most of you guys, and we've been sitting for a long time. This is my fifth Fiji. So I'll take a break in a second. But I want to see, I want to show you how this ties in. Okay. So earlier we talked about the three types of traffic, right? I'm just going to show the slide. Um, this is the first part of this game, right? There's traffic you control, and the traffic you earn. Our goal is to morph those things and turn them into traffic that we own. Okay, so what we do that is we take a step backwards to our Dream 100, right? We build out this huge Dream 100 list, and as I have that list, I'm looking at every single person on the list, every single keyword, every single thing. I'm saying, look, there's two ways to play this game. Either I can control the traffic, or I can earn the traffic, right? So for example, that very first top one, top left hand, let's say, that's Tony Robbins on my list, right? I'm like, okay, I can either try to control the traffic, or I can, or I can earn it, right? So I'm going to personally try to do both. So I'm trying to earn Tony Robbins' respect and his trust, right? So I start trying to earn it. I'm putting in the time and the effort and the energy, right? But if I just wait for, for 10 years for Tony to finally like me enough to promote something, I'm going to be broke, right? So the cool thing, the biggest thing that these social platforms have given us, the biggest gift is that they let us go and target people, right? So um, with Tony Robbins' name, I, right now I'm going to control traffic. I'm going to buy ads to his people, right? I'm going to get as many of his customers off as possible. I'm always getting people from his world into mine so I can own that traffic. And at the same time, I'm trying to earn my way in. Okay? I'm doing this thing simultaneously and I'm bringing people from there so I can turn them into, into uh, traffic that I own. Okay? Each person I'm going through, some people, there's no way in a million years you'll earn, you'll earn, you'll earn, uh, you'll earn traffic from them, right? They're never going to put you on the podcast, on the platform, like, like things like that. But I can buy ads to their, to their, dream, to, um, their followers and now I have those people, I bring them over. Other people, it's opposite, right? Some people will never sell you an ad, but they do interview shows. And it's like, okay, cool. How do I get on that person's interview show? Because if I get on an interview show, I earn my way in and those customers are going to come to me. Okay, so I'm thinking about with this, this whole process, this first step here in the traffic system is really understanding, here's my dream 100, and every single name on that, I'm thinking, can I work my way in or can I buy my way in? It's one or the other. I'm going to work my way in and pay for ads to the, that person's following, or I'm going to earn my way in and try to figure out how I can get on that person's platform. How can I get them to promote my product? How can I get them to email letters? How can I get them to do a YouTube video with me? How can I get them to, um, to interview me on the podcast? How can I get them to uh, write a blog post about me? How can I, like, whatever those things are at, Right? And so it's just really fun. We start looking at it like, these people all have my dream customers. The question is, can I work my way in or can I buy my way in or both? And that's the process. That's the game we start, we start playing here. Let me see if I have any other notes about that really quick. Um, 
Um, all right. So that's the first, the first step in this game, you guys. Um, this is why the Dream 100 list is so important. I've talked to a lot of people about this. and like, oh, I don't want to send boxes out to people. So I want to drive traffic. I'm like, oh, you're missing it. That can be a way, right? But how do I know how to target? Like my Dream 100 is how it all begins. This is who I'm targeting. This is how I'm getting ads. When I'm on Facebook and I find a new person, I send it to Dave. He puts it on a spreadsheet. John logs in there saying, oh my gosh, I didn't even know. Like I didn't, it's funny. I didn't know Grant Cardone existed three years ago. I'd never heard his name in my life. And one of our sales guys came to me and said, hey, there's this sales trainer, um, and started talking about him. His name is Grant Cardone. I'm like, who's that? I watched this crazy video of him during a hurricane, and he's selling all this stuff. I'm like, that guy seems a little crazy. And I don't know. And I was like, look at this thing. He had like 3 million followers. I'm like, oh, this guy seems really cool, right? <laughs> Send him over today, put him on the list. John starts targeting his people. And soon I found out that Grant Cardone's audience is one of the highest. Uh, his, his customer base is one of our highest um, converting customer base of everyone. His people buy insane amounts of stuff. That was one person we found, and then what do we do? We started buying ads instantly. We started buying our way in. And I was like, hey, how do we work our way in? What can we do? How can we provide value? How can we help them? How can we serve them so I can earn my way in as well? Because earning my way in is better long-term because I don't have to pay for it, right? But sometimes it takes longer, okay? And so you're working both, both angles, both directions. That's kind of the process there. Um, and oh, so many things I want to talk about. Do I talk about this here or later? Um, I'm trying to think, I'm trying to if, I, if I touch this later, I don't want to ruin the surprise. All right, I'll talk about it right now because I think it's important, then we'll break. Um, if you think about this, okay, this is how the real world works too, not just the internet nerds like us, right? If you look at the real world, this is how it works, okay? Um, for example, what's a big movie that's coming out this summer? Does anyone know anything's coming up? What time of year are we? What's the next big amazing movie coming out? What was it? The Nutcracker. The Nutcracker, that's a horror... No, that, I'm like a superhero kind of guy. All right, let's, give me something good. Give me something good. The Grinch? All right. Captain Marvel. I'll do Captain Marvel because I'm so excited for that. You guys know who Captain Marvel is? Okay, so for the nerds, uh, I will tell the, other, the rest of the people what this is because we are all on the same page. So Cap, I'm one of you. Don't worry, I get it, okay? So, Thanos snapped his finger, half the world died, right? And then at the very end, have you guys all seen the new Avengers movie, by the way? Anyone not seen it? Because if not, we should leave right now. What? Okay, we should like stop everything and go watch that because half my stories don't make any sense. Um, and I'm ruining the movie for you. All right. <clears throat> so there's the super bad guy who gets this big glove and gets all the rings. He snaps and half the world dies. That's the movie ends. Sorry to ruin it for you, but that's what happens. Not the world, the entire universe, just they disappear. In the very last second, what's the dude with the eye patch? Yeah, vision, like, it's like, oh my gosh. And he like messages someone and then he disappears and dies. And the message has this little Marvel symbol. And everyone's like, who is that? And I didn't know at the time. So that night I'm on Google for like 18 hours learning everything about that symbol. Turns out there's, in the comic book world, there's a superhero named Captain Marvel who is like the Superman of Marvel, right? And she is like the most amazing, toughest, like imagine Superman as a chick, like that's Captain Marvel. And so the next movie coming out is the prequel was Captain Marvel. And she's kind of, is going to tell the backstory of her up to 1980s in the 1980s. In fact, it's like, it's happening with like blockbusters, like whole 80s movies can be amazing. And then the next Avengers coming back and Captain Marvel's going to come back, beat the crap out of Thanos, reverse time, hopefully, and save everybody. Hopefully. So that's what we're hoping for. At least that's happened if I was writing the movie. So why did I tell you this story? Oh yeah. Okay. So when Captain Marvel's coming out, right? <laughs> Welcome to my brain, you guys. This is, this is, uh, all right. So the reason I'm telling you this is because when Captain Marvel comes out, they will be doing the Dream 100. Who plays Captain Marvel? I don't even know yet. 
Yes. So when she, when it comes out, what will happen is the movie's coming out and then the TV show will get their dream 100 and they know who's our dream 100. We've got the today show. We've got uh, good morning America. We've got the tonight show. We've got Jay Leno. No, Jay Leno's gone now. We've got, uh, Jimmy Fallon, Jimmy Kimmel. They've got these people, right? The people that have the audiences, the people who go to a movie, right? And then what happens? They do the media circuit, right? So what happens then is she will go and she will be on Today Show and then Tonight Show and then Conan, then Good Morning America, NBC. And she will go to every single one of these things and she will work her way in. She will earn the media. They'll talk about the entire week leading up to the big show and then it'll hit. And if she did a good job, everyone will go to the movie theater. We'll all watch it together. It'll be amazing. I'll be dressing like Captain Marvel. No, I'm going to dress like a man. But I'm sure Julie would dress like Captain Marvel. I don't know. It'll be amazing. And it'll be a box office smash. And it'll be huge. Okay? So they'll be earning their way in. Now, during that time, on all these different channels, while she's earning her way in and hitting all the media circuits doing this, at the same time, they will be buying ads and they'll be earning her way. So you'll see her talking about Captain Marvel. And then throughout the show, you'll see paid ads happening, driving people to the movie. Right? Paid ads happen. They're earning their way in. They're buying their way in for the big, huge launch of the show. And it happens. Okay, it's the same pattern. The same thing's happening there, it's happening here. We launched the Expert Seekers book. I didn't have a platform to be able to go and do that, right? I didn't think that Jimmy Fallon was going to interview about my books. We did the same process here. We got my Dream 100. I said, okay, this is the game plan. We're launching this thing. I'm going to go earn my way in. How many podcasts, how many interviews, how many Facebook lives, how many can I do to earn my way in? And at the same time, those same audiences go buy the crap out of every single ad. How many guys um, are sick of seeing my ads? <laughs> it's John's fault if you want to blame someone, right? Okay, but that's the game. We're going in here and we're identifying the audiences. Our dream customers have already been congregated. All these people here have already congregated. I want to go invent that. I said to find out who is the lead of the congregation, right? We go by ads to target those people and we pull them in so we can become traffic I own. And then I got to figure out how can I build a relationship with that person? My job as the CEO, the figure face, whatever, is like building connections, building a relationship with the people who are in charge, who have huge gatherings of people, um, uh, it's interesting, like I, I did a podcast on this about a year ago, but I talked about, it's interesting, like all of us in our own businesses, like we're gathering people, like that's what a business is, right? It's gathering people based on beliefs and values and serving them the highest level possible, right? So for me, it's like, I'm finding who are the gatherers, who are the people that are already gathering these congregations that have my dream customers I can serve and then figuring out how I can serve those people. How can I serve the, the, the person in charge of that congregation, that tribe, whatever you want to call it. And then how can I buy ads to those people? you've been listening to one of our gold members only podcasts, make sure you upgrade and become a diamond member and get access to the diamond members only podcast as well. On top of that, you'd also get access to the whole enchilada with all dance courses and so much more. So make sure you upgrade to diamond now by going to diamondupgrade.com.